Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 79. And looky who I got is Brent Phillips, the site architect. He's standing in today for Matt. Don't worry, we have a great show. I promise we're gonna talk to you about the brand new 3D Sonic game. And I'm gonna talk about Ghost Recon Wildlands, because I'm the only guy who can. That's right. And biggest of all, we're gonna be talking about Mass Effect Andromeda just a couple days before it comes out. We have all the intel. Let's get to it. Welcome to Game Face on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Riding shotgun with Brent Phillips today. You guys are probably familiar with Brent. I talk about him all the damn time. (laughs) Everybody does. Yeah, he's been on the show twice before or once before? Just Just once. once. Yeah, he just moved back to California last September. He came back on the show or came on the show for the first time right after he got back here. Yeah, like that first week. Yep, Matt Kyle is out today. He's dealing with a personal issue. He's okay. Don't worry. Nothing bad has happened to him. Uh, but he has a couple of things he needs to take care of. So we're very happy to have Brent in here to talk to us. And luckily, Brent has been playing games that I have not been playing. Nice. Uh, which make, so it makes it kind of like two puzzle pieces that fit well together, so to speak. You complete so, me. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. But <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking it, though. You know you were. <laughs> Uh, you guys probably know Brent. He does a couple shows on Sifted as well. He does uh, the Bloodborne Coach, which you just moved into DLC, and you're in like your fourth episode of that now, I think. Yeah, they're all queued up. I'm actually on like in real time. I'm on the last boss. Oh, okay. Like, I've got him to like I consistently get him to like twenty percent, and then he kills me. So. <laughs> I'm almost there. Well, that should make for a good episode, though. Yeah. I'm assuming it's. I'm gonna have to cut it all together. It's otherwise it's gonna. I've been fighting him for like four hours, so uh, it's gonna be a little bit. Okay, and he also does uh, the Big Bada Boom podcast, which we also curate to sift it all the time. Yeah. Him and Ryan Kramer, another guy who used to work with us at uh, GT back in the day. So, very glad to have Brent here. It's going to be a great show. We're going to kick things off talking about the new 3D Sonic game, uh, originally called Project Sonic when they first announced it. Um, this past weekend at South, or this past week at South by Southwest, uh, they announced that one Sonic Mania was delayed, which is shocking. Yeah. I really not thought, never thought that game would ever get delayed. But two, they gave us the title of the 3D Sonic, which is now called Sonic Forces. No idea what that means. I hope he has a team. <laughs> that's, that's what Sonic was always missing. I mean, honestly, I think once they brought the team into the 3D games, that's when they really started going south. No, that's like, what I mean. Like, that, that is not what he needs. We just need more Sonic. Pretty much. So we got our first look at gameplay. They put out the first gameplay trailer from South by Southwest in addition to announcing the title of the game. Um, it looks a whole hell of a lot like the last yeah, it looks like six it 3D Sonic games. Yeah. Were you hoping for maybe some innovation or change here, Brent? I don't know, man. I've Do you never like really the 3D Sonic this... games? No. I don't either. <laughs> no, like, you know, I've never actually bought one. I played some at GT when we were there and just, I don't know. I guess it's, it's I'd much rather watch it than play it. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. It's like, a, as far as 3D platformers go, it's very clunky and awkward. Yeah. Be- it's because of the... The, intent, the, the inherent design of Sonic, which is you always have to be going fast, and you always have to be going forward. Yeah, and Three. then you invariably mess it up, and you're like stuck on a corner, and you're like, I know I should be going 100 miles an hour right now, I'm doing this wrong. And that's where the game always kind of breaks, yeah. is when you stop, and you have to do something like where you have to be really precise with the controls, and you realize <laughs> yeah. that like there's no middle ground between Sonic walking and running 1,000 miles an hour. It's like when you have to like, yeah. reorient yourself to get lined up to go through the rest of the level. It's always awkward. Yeah, if you watch the trailer, 
when he first starts walking off, he goes from like kind of a a jog to just blazing. Yeah, like, to there's just no in between. Off. The animation's actually really weird. Yeah, I mean it. The sales of this franchise since the original Sonic Adventure on Dreamcast and then Sonic Adventure 2, which then went over to GameCube ultimately, have really kind of fallen. Yeah. It, it appears that we're not alone in thinking that perhaps this series is headed down the wrong path, but Brent, what would you do to change it and still make it Sonic? That's the thing. I'm not sure I would. I would release Sonic games that are what you always have, but like Sonic's world is not rich enough to be making like other genres of games in there. Like, yeah, no one wants to see like a Sonic RTS or like an <laughs> RPG or something like that. Like, you know, because the characters in the story always suck. Yeah, like, the, I don't I mean, care about any of the people in Sonic's crew to be honest. I mean, like, it's almost kind of a joke. Like, there's this hedgehog that's super fast. Like, that's weird. Like, it's just <laughs> as weird as Mario is, but Mario kind of just runs with it and treats it as it's normal. Right. And Sonic just got weirder and weirder. Yeah. I um, uh, yeah. I haven't really... I don't know if I've ever enjoyed a 3D Sonic game, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I, when Sonic Adventure came out on Dreamcast, everyone was freaking out over it purely because of the graphics. You know, it was a, yeah. it was a Dreamcast launch game. Um, it could be argued that the Dreamcast was really the first steps towards HD graphics. I know for me, going from the N64 and the original PlayStation to the Dreamcast, it was a big step, man. Yeah, it was a big jump. It was a huge leap. And so... Seeing Sonic in 3D, I feel like everyone kind of had this honeymoon period with that game that actually I feel like carried over to Sonic Adventure 2 because I didn't like that game at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like at this point, everyone's kind of gotten over that element, and now it really comes down to just how good is the game. And I think ultimately they just haven't been that great. And, I mean, I'm not seeing any, anything here that's going to make me think it's going to be any better. Yeah, can we roll the gameplay again, Sam? Just to get another look so like at this it. Little, watch this start here. Oh, the lower third's on it. But like that start looks like a Unity game. Like I was like, come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, you I think technically the that. game looks okay. Well, like the There's background a lot is going really on cool. There. There's a lot of other cool stuff going on. It's just his animation was really... Yeah. I don't know. But technically, I feel like the game is up to scratch. I mean... Sure. The worlds are pretty dense and pretty intricate. And if you look in the background, a lot of times there's a lot of crazy, weird stuff going on. It's obviously completely irrelevant to the actual game. Sure. But if you look out, you know, there's a nice, war in it. There's, an, yeah, there's <laughs> a nice draw distance and everything in the game. I honestly think the direction for Sonic should be, for the 3D versions of Sonic, is use polygonal graphics, but still make it side-scrolling. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, you could just make an absolutely stunning side-scrolling game. And I almost feel like that, that's maybe a, and this may be sacrilege, because I know a lot of people are really hyped about Sonic Mania. But I think that they're missing an opportunity with Sonic Mania as far as graphically, by going back to that old kind of pixelated right. 2D art style. Um, there's, there are already so many 2D Sonic games that look like that. I don't know that we need another one. Has there been a really great polygonal side-scrolling Sonic game? No. 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 So there's at least... If, I'm I not feel sure like, that has anything to do with the graphics. I think it does. You think so? Yeah. Oh, well. Ver Hand-drawn I... art versus polygonal graphics? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, that can affect your appreciation of it, but I don't think it affects it being a good Sonic game. No, no, as far as gameplay, it's completely yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Miyamoto says, like, when they first start programming gameplay, it's a, literally a block. That they mm -hmm. <laughs> like, if it's fun playing with a block, when you turn that block yeah. into Mario, you're going to have a blast with it. And I think a lot of uh, developers kind of work along that paradigm, but uh, I don't know. I, I was disappointed to see that this game was pretty much exactly what we've been playing I get they have a big kids audience that buy these games, um, and maybe that's part of it. You know, Do they? 
Yeah, like, oh yeah, kids love Sonic, man. I mean, like, when There's we were kids, kids they did. I just, I didn't know it had oh, actually they held do. up with kids. Mine are too young to care about anything but but that's all about cross-marketing because there's like a sonic cartoon and then there's a I, sonic I watched a lot CG. more of the sonic cartoon than i ever did play the game yeah <laughs> i don't know how good it is I've, i haven't it's watched it good. yeah i'm get, i'm not surprised yeah. by that but <laughs> but i think there are kids that still who love sonic and uh okay. i don't know i uh i was hoping for more i guess from this first sort of next gen i mean think about it how long we've waited this generation for a Sonic game? I, I thought we weren't going to get one. Yeah, and maybe it would be better off if we didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I guess on the positive tip, it can never, ever be worse than, than Sonic 2006. Well, what would you have seen in this trailer that would have made you think this is this is, this is it? Like, what could I have it? seen? Yeah. Well, what, I think that's the whole idea. It's not, I'm not a game developer. It's <laughs> their fair. job to surprise me. <laughs> You know? That's fair. I mean, it's it's not my job to come up with the ideas for them. It's just my job to make fun of them when they do, Brent. <laughs> All right. You can't argue with that. Or champion them when they come up with a great idea. Um, but just something different. It's basically the same exact game we've been playing with more polygons, essentially. Yeah, I mean, we've only got, like, 30 seconds of gameplay, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But if you were going to show something new, you would have done it right then. So. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And like, almost they're proving like, hey, look, it looks like that Dreamcast game you liked. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the one thing that's unique about it is it's set in this kind of industrial, kind of dark and dingy environment. And they did kind of tease that in the debut CG trailer. Yeah. Um, maybe that's what they're thinking. Because the one thing about Japanese developers is they'll make a very small change to one of their series. And they think it's like this huge thing. <laughs> I don't know why that is in Japan. Maybe they just think people are so accustomed to having X, Y, and Z features in their games that whenever they throw in like a Z squared, they're like, right. oh, you're going to love this. You're going to eat it up. And I think maybe Western audiences are maybe cued in a little bit more to, to wanting something at more than just a little feature change or a setting change. Uh, I think we've seen that with, like, the Resident Evil team, like, a lot of times. Like, they'll say, well, we changed this, and that's a big difference, and you play it, and you're like, no, this is... Yeah. This feels just really like Resident Evil 5. major changes, right. Yeah. And, I mean, I would argue that Resident Evil 7, they actually did Was make one some, of those, yes. Yeah, they finally did kind of make... And you have to go back to Resident Evil 4 before that. And all along the way, right. they're all like, oh, we're making these huge changes, we're listening to the fans, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why it seems endemic to Japanese developers, but it, it seems to be, so... Well, I mean, it might seem endemic to... Uh, huge IP. Yeah. You know, they don't want to reinvent the wheel unless that wheel is flagging. Right, unless that... That's that... why Sonic's seen so many weird iterations is because it's always been going downhill. Right. But people still like Sonic. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, there's something there. It's like, you don't want to reinvent the tire unless the tire's flat. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. And I would argue that Sonic at this point, at least 3D Sonic, is a flat tire. That's fair. So... We'll see. We've only got to see what is that. That's like 35 seconds of gameplay. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, typically, like you said, when you debut the gameplay for a game the first time, you usually put, like, that one big new feature in there to get people excited or at least hint at it. I didn't see yeah. any of that here. It's just like, hey, here's a level from the new Sonic, and that was that. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll be getting a lot more because it's coming out at the end of the year. So I'm Do sure. Do you think it's going to be a full $60 game? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that's the sort of thing, if it was, like, 30 bucks, it'd be like, all right. Yeah, gotcha, I'll man. run around Sonic for But, like, 30 you compare bucks. this with, like, I don't know, Horizon, Zelda, Mass Effect, that all came up this year. It's like, guys. It's a tough yeah. sell. Yeah. Sonic still has his fans, despite all the yeah. poor games that have come out. There's still <laughs> people that love Sonic. And, I, look, I don't begrudge him for it. You know, if I had grown up as, like, a big Genesis guy or whatever, I'd probably 
have an affinity for Sonic as well. But uh, all I all I can say is I just look at the games that come out based on the property, and they have not been great for quite a while. So I don't know. It's supposed to come out before the end of the year. I'm assuming at E3 we'll get a big blowout, and then we'll probably just keep getting media consistently after that. So yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have any confusion about what this game is after either. Yeah, so it won't be, be long until I think we get the full, full lowdown on this game. We'll be able to kind of make a better assessment. But so far, not, it's a, definitely a, an inauspicious debut, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Ghost Recon Wildlands. I have had this game sitting on the hard drive on my PS4 for two weeks now. I have just not had time to play it at all. I played the beta a lot, which I've talked about on the show. Um, I've been playing, I played Zelda, and as soon as I finished Zelda, I moved on to Mass Effect, so I haven't had a chance. I haven't even played Horizon yet, which we're going to get to as well today. Oh, <laughs> I know, it's driving me crazy. I, I literally booted up Horizon, watched the opening cinematic, and had to turn it off. And like that, <laughs> That's as far as I've got. So, you have been playing Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yesterday, yeah. Destructoid published its review of this game and gave it a 2.5 out of 10. Brent, I mean, is even, that on target? I mean, even with your kind of five-centered targeting system, that's... No, that's yeah. insulting, man. Like, this is, I mean, I kind of lean towards the uh, grading scale, so I would have said, like, a 7, 7.5 yeah. on your scale, like a 5 or a 6. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is exactly what I thought it was. There's not, At no point do I feel betrayed about what this game has told me it was and what it is. I mean, it's a great-looking, open-world Ghost Recon game. You get your buddies together and you go, like, go to these camps and do stuff. I actually like the doing the open world with this you know, kind of one-button touch for co-op stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. That's a lot of fun. It is cool. I mean, I, like, uh... like, I have a crew that I typically play these games with, um, you know, but I didn't have time to set that up in the meantime, and, like, so I just hopped into a random game, and it's like, hey, guys, let's do this shit. That was a lot of fun, you know? I loved how easy it was to uh, group up and play. Yeah. That was the one thing that really struck Very me surprised. in the beta. It's like, somebody you drops out. a server browser or some shit. Nope, you it's, like, got, right on the yeah. fly. Somebody drops out. Someone could come right in. All you gotta do is like tap sideways on the D-pad and join the mission with everybody else. It's very seamless. Have you been playing any of the single player? Because that's one thing I really didn't get a chance to spend my I mean, time I, with. I mean, that's where I spent most of my time, actually. I played okay, a couple hours. Good. It's not any different from the single player in the beta so far. Um, How does the AI it's just work? more of it. I don't know. They never see me, man. No, I mean, like, your, your teammates, like, your teammate AI, does it... Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, like, they you... They hold up their end of the bargain? You, you set up your sync shots, and we all take them down. I don't understand why I can only sync shot one guy at the beginning when I clearly have three teammates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so far, if, if that was there, I think I could do really cool stuff. Right now, if there's two guys, I can sync it up, and we both shoot each other, and, like, it works out like I planned it would. What about the um, mission objectives? That was a little iffy in the beta. Yeah. What about the mission objectives in the single player? Are they basically the same as... I mean, as far as I am, they are, they are exactly the same. So like, it, you do that first opening mission and save the dude, and then they're like, run around and find some intel for these, you know, the, uh, the husband and wife interrogation team. Um, I actually have not gotten as far in the real game as I did in the beta. We were pretty close to getting them. So is the it exactly the same? Are you playing the same exact missions solo as you do when you're playing with somebody else? As far as I can tell, it is exactly the same. Game. Okay, so it's not different at all. And no, then, there's not like a single player mode and then a multiplayer. Okay, mode. so there. once you're playing by yourself, can you invite people into your game like on the fly, like real players? Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, that seems like pretty cool functionality, and it work. In the final build, it's seamless and it works great for a game that is like if this was just a single player game, then like, well, that's not a two, but like I can get why you'd pan it a little bit. Yeah. 
because um, a lot of the stuff's really straightforward. Like it's the cartel, and you have this, you have this hierarchical setup that looks a lot like uh, Shadow of Mordor, except you don't have any of the fun like interactivity between, like let's pit this guy against this guy. So let's blow right. up. This. I mean, maybe that happens later in the, in the game, but it's certainly not at will, of saying like, hey, let's steal this and then leave it at his house. It looks like he right, stole it or something right. like that. I don't, I don't think anything like that's going to happen unless it's canned, which would have been super cool. It would have been, yeah. Um, Do you have like a home in this game? Do you have like a place that's like your home where you can go and like park your cars and if you do, it's not super obvious. Like there are like the rebels have bases, um, which, which typically have, have like yeah. well, they typically no, the rebels are on your side. Oh, oh got you. And got they you. typically have like some vehicles there and stuff. So I'll go back there, and then there's like rally points, which is where you would go to meet other people from multiplayer. Like that's gotcha. when you're in those points, that's when it prompts you to say like, hey, pick up the multiplayer guys here. What I loved about this game, at least the multiplayer, is how much like GTA it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you, you, and the terrain I think plays a big part of that because mm-hmm. like when you play GTA online, you're almost always in a city, and everything's in a grid, and there's not a lot of hills, and having the varied terrain of Bolivia in this, and have it be an open world game where you can just like right here, you can just go right off of the <laughs> yeah. cliff. And just start flying down the hill. Like to me, this is something that's very unique in an o- an open world multiplayer game. It doesn't seem like you get this very much. No, not in something like this. I mean, like there's certainly open world games. Obviously, this is um, you know you got Horizon and Far Cry and all that jazz, which is very similar in terms of structure, but not as like full on multiplayer based. Where it's like the game is telling you, hey, join a game with other friends. Like you yeah. shouldn't be playing this alone. A lot of people ask with our game evals, it's like, and we got brought up again, because obviously we reviewed Zelda, and, you know, the the alarm was sounded to the Nintendo fan base that somebody gave Zelda a lesson <laughs> for a score. So we started getting random people signing up to Sifted, like, a couple days, for a couple days after the review, who just came in purely just to complain about the Zelda review. Yeah. And we get the, that complaint that we got a lot of times, which is, why are you scoring Zelda in connectivity? It's like, I don't expect Zelda to have connectivity, so why are you docking its score? We're talking right. a score because of games like this yeah, they, that show you yeah. that you can do really fun stuff with open worlds with online connectivity. There's no reason why any open world game couldn't have some kind of functionality like this or do something like Dark Souls where it kind of has people invading your game or yeah. helping you through the game. Um, it's been shown over and over again that there are a million different ways to integrate connectivity into these types of games. I mean, I can sort This of game get... did it at the expense of the rest of the game, though, <laughs> unfortunately. It's not that bad. I mean, certainly... Yeah. I don't know where that 2 out of 10 came from, but... Yeah. I mean, I sort of get the... Like, I would point to, like, Geometry Wars, which I think was a lot of fun, but, yeah, like... Yeah. I mean, it's going to get a zero in the story score, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I can see how you'd be like, and, you know, it's an arcade game. No one expected a story, but, like, what if it did have one? Right. You know, it would be technically a better, a better game, game, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's hard for people, I think, to mentally get over that hurdle because these outlets have been scoring, like, basically not creating a level playing field for reviews for a long time. And, look, we were a part of it at GT, and I right. did it for 15 years before that. But it was always weird to, like, I always thought it was weird that I'm, like, reviewing games on this imaginary curve. Well, and you try to, you know, you as a reviewer for 15 years have this, like, well, this game was a this, this game was a this, you easily have that. I'm sure you remember this when you first started at GT. We had actually just rated a Ghost Recon game as like a 9.8. Grawl. No, well, you're going to give it a it 10. Well, that's because it was super fucking fun. It was, and well, like, this was is probably going to yeah. be a lot of fun too. And like, to the non reviewer, 
you know, you don't care about a lot of things because you had so much fun with it. Like, it's why I would give Zelda five stars on the Brent scale. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I understand every single of the criticisms you have. Yeah. You're not wrong. It's just I don't care. Yeah. You know, I still loved it. Yeah. And, like, I think that's, I'm going to feel that way about Ghost Recon. The deeper I get is that, like, is there shit wrong with it? Sure. Did I have a blast? Yes, I did. Yeah, I had a blast with this beta, too, man. I'm like... Yeah, I had a lot of fun in the beta. The scores for this game are all over the place, man. Literally all over the place. The 2.5, obviously, is the bottom. <laughs> but I've seen, like, high 8s, low 9s from a couple outlets for this. I mean, most of them are coming in around the 7 to 8 range. I think probably it's... Met I haven't looked, but I'm guessing it's Metacritic. It's probably a 7.5, which is really terrible for my fantasy team because I drafted this game. That was a huge mistake. Hey, at least it came out this year. It did. At least, <laughs> I think I'm going to have all ten games represented this year, but unfortunately, I think counts. Matt is too. So I think I'm going to maybe going down for a second year in a row. But yeah, yeah. I had a blast with the multiplayer. And yeah. when you start thinking about like most games, and look, open world games, you generally get a lot more playtime out of. Like you know, yeah. Zelda, I spent 60 hours, and I probably could have spent another 50 hours playing that game. Horizon, by all accounts, another 50 hour game. You get a lot of playtime out of it. But this, it's like with multiplayer, it can be infinite. You know, you can just play yeah. it Yeah, even forever. after I beat the game, I'd still want to hop in with my buddies and, like, just go take down a That a is one thing I do wonder about this game, though, for its online connectivity, is it eventually ends, right? I there guess, aren't, I mean, like, you PvP go take modes, down right? El Sueño or whatever, the big boss guy, but, like, I don't think the cartel's going to magically disappear. You're still going to have, like the little missions you could do, at least in someone else's game. Like, if we've all it's beaten finite, it, I right? don't know. Like, eventually yeah, know. you're going to complete every mission, and then what do you do? There's no PvP in this, right? Not to my knowledge. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting angle you have to think about with this game, too, is that eventually you will run out of stuff to do. I'm sure DLC is going to come hot and heavy for and maybe this. You it's could Ubisoft. Like, maybe you could, like, prestige it or something and yeah. just reset the world. And maybe the next time you play it, it bumps up in difficulty or something. But that is certainly something to keep in I mind. Know. A single bullet pretty much kills everyone. I, don't, I mean, I guess AI could get smarter or something. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. If it's one bullet, one dumb. kill, then yeah. what do you, you can't really make it any harder. Because one thing I've heard about this is that the enemy AI cheats... Is that right? Can they, like, see through buildings and stuff and they know where you are at all times? Like, I hate that about games. Maybe. I, I haven't noticed Zelda's that. like that, too, though. Happening. Like, Zelda, like, the enemies have, like, this zone around them. And if you enter that zone, whether they're looking your way or not, like, right. suddenly they'll spring up and be like, hey! And it's like, bro, you didn't see me! <laughs> well, some of that has to do with the gear you're wearing. They can hear you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's actually one of the things I think is done really poorly in Zelda is, like, you have this, like, volume meter, but it's all over the place. It's yeah. like... I don't know. I guess I'll wear my sneaky suit, and then yeah. he won't hear me. But like, other than that, it's like I don't know. I feel like a lot of people underuse the stealth in Zelda. Stealth in the stealth in Breath They're of the really Wild can, is really powerful. You can yeah. one hit kill those huge moblins right, or whatever they're exactly. called. Right, exactly. Who That's are a, sometimes a pain in the ass yeah. to fight. So yeah, pro tip: use the stealth in Zelda, <laughs> if even if it's just sneaking. Like even and if you're not don't using wear the suit. your your clanky armor to sneak up on people. Yeah, definitely. So. I'm hoping I get a chance to give this a go. It has just been insane, Brent. Like, I can't believe this is March. It's a crazy couple two months. I mean, it feels like I'm just so far behind already, and it's only March. It's like I'm hoping that as we get into April, May, and then, of course, June is E3, but I'm hoping next month and a half there's, like, some time to, like, catch up and take a breath. And, like, it's just been crazy. I've never seen a start to the year like this. Yeah, I mean... I'm a huge Dark Souls fan, and the new thing for that comes out in like a week. It does. And Mass Effect. Yeah. And then, uh, Mass Effect's out in like two days. Three like days. in June, I was actually pretty excited about playing Final Fantasy XII. Yeah, and are you like, now? There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> you I mean, have time I guess. To do that? <laughs> it's I don't awesome. Know. Don't get me wrong. It's great. Like, this is the, in my opinion, we talked yeah. about this last week on the show. If this, uh, this year has the potential 
to topple 1998 as the best year in games ever, it does. It totally has a chance. I mean, this is the strongest. Yeah, if this fall is good, then. This is I mean, the strongest yeah. start to a year ever, ever in my easily, opinion. It's yeah. not even close. So it's. Because you usually get like one thing like Tomb Raider or something. There's always one the game that comes out in Q1. And you're like, okay, this will hold me for another quarter, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, Zelda could hold you for the whole quarter. The, sure, yeah. So that, that actually wouldn't surprise me that much. But I'm hoping there's a little reprieve here coming up, man. Like, I have so much catching up to do, and there's a bunch of stuff I'm working on behind the scenes that I'd like to get done, but I'm just on this squirrel wheel. It's like I finished Zelda, published a game eval, start Mass Effect, and it's just this beast of a game. And, I'm and they're all out. gigantic games. Right. None of them were like, I don't know, like Dude, there's Hard Neo. Rain or something where it's like, there's oh, it's Neo. I haven't really played Neo yet. Neo's there's great. It's also like 60 hours at a minimum. I know. Like, it is a huge game. There's Nier Automata. That's another 60 I know. I'm really excited game. about that. There's no way I'm going to be able to play that. It's insane. At least for a few months. I'm doing the best to keep up. I'm doing everything I can. And it's getting but... great reviews. Like, yeah, I want to do them. it. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So, I don't know. It seems like Ghost Recon Wildlands is one of the more polarizing games. Well, and because of, of that, recent, I'm, a little, I'm a little worried it's going to get forgotten in this mess. When, like, if you've previously played Ghost Recon or, you know, Rainbow Six games, like, this is it, man. This is what you wanted. This yeah. is, with your buddies in the open world, it's a lot of just straight-up fun. Like, back in the day when it was straight-up missions and you could, like, look at the floor plan and plan it out, I think that was neat. Um, but this kind of gets down to, like, on-the-fly thinking, like, okay, <laughs> that, that sentry is going to be a problem. You guys take care of him, and, you know, I'll go around here. Cause Do you think that old ghost this, recon design would fly now? you think people would like The it? maps that you liked it? Maybe it's an indie game. Yeah. Like Monaco or something is sort of like that, but... Because um, Rainbow Six Siege kind of... A little bit. But, it, I mean, it, it's kind of filling that gap. I think it, as much of that gap can be filled in 2017. Yeah. I just don't see people sitting around like planning like an attack using like well, I mean, I, I would schematics. Equate, I would equate this game to the uh, the missions in GTA Online. You know, where yeah, it's like, okay, we gotta go point. here and do that. I mean, they're not as involved like, stealing helicopters, doing all kinds of right parachuting onto stuff. But like, it's that kind of like probably one of you has done it before. One of you is gonna say like, watch that lieutenant. He's gonna hop in the helicopter and fly off. Make sure you shoot him. Like right, that kind of right. give you the tips. Um, but there's still a lot of just actually enacting the plan, even if it's something you've done before, is going to be slightly different. And that's a lot of fun. Well, one thing I'll say is this is a case where it does not appear consumers are listening to critics because it's selling, selling well? exceptionally nice. well. Yeah, uh, It appears they just blew off all the critics who were railing the game. It was the top-selling game in the UK last week. So it looks like it's doing pretty well. Uh, which bodes well for people who are digging the game as far as getting DLC and post-release content. So, you know, it, I would venture to guess if you buy this game, it's probably going to be a pretty good investment. Um, I don't see... One thing you can't say about Ubisoft is that it bails early on its games. No. It's yeah. going to keep supplying It'll it with something. DLC. It is going to become a platform, so to speak. So, I... Uh, is this you playing? It is, Just yeah. driving your truck into the enemy base? Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and then, I, then they're all like, back up, bro, and I have to back up. <laughs> Funny. I like it. But, uh, yeah, I had a blast playing this game for the amount of time I played it. I think I played it for six or seven hours, so I don't know what happens when it's you, hit, when you yeah. hit hour, like, 20 or 30, if it starts to kind of lose its charm, but I had fun Maybe. with it. Yeah. And I know you played it, so I thought you, when you came on, we'd talk about it because... I mean, if I get 30 hours out of this, I'm not going to be sad because yeah. I didn't kill El Sueño. Yeah, it's, 
<laughs> you I mean, got I'm your money's worth at that point. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, I mean, there are me. games being sold that you finish in 10 or 11 hours. Last Guardian, good example. I mean, I'm actually really okay with that. Which I'd, now is at 40 bucks, yeah. but... As long as I enjoy the experience, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. All right, let's move along. Next, we're going to talk about Kind of Funny. That is the independent uh, journalism group. I guess I can call them that. Uh, made up of a bunch of guys who left IGN to start their own, their own thing, kind of like I did here with Sifted. Um, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with them. Brent, I'm sure you're familiar with Kind of Funny. Um, so last week, uh, one of its founders, and I guess there are four founders there. I, I mean, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think there are four guys who actually founded the site. And I'm sure now they have other people working behind the scenes who aren't technically yeah, yeah. founders and, and that sort of thing. But So I think there's four guys, and one of the four, Colin Moriarty, who is one of the guys who came from IGN. In fact, I think they all came from IGN. Uh, it was International Women's Day, and he went on Twitter and made a joke. It's, it was like, oh, a peace and quiet or something. Hashtag National Women's Day. Um, it didn't seem like that big of a deal to me at first. I mean... It, it's slightly offensive, I guess, but that's kind of the point. I don't know. It's it's a it's a harmless joke. Like no women saw that and were like, oh, he's talking about me. Like no, that's well, I don't know about any women. There are some women out okay. there who are pretty sensitive. <laughs> and, and like, it's not like they don't catch enough shit. Like, there's plenty of things to be offended by. Like, to go for this means you're looking for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like they're wrong to be offended. They're just wrong to pick this to take a stand on. Yeah, so ultimately what happens is it turns into a huge thing. He uh, ends up going on a bunch of conservative like talk shows like right afterwards. Yeah, I, that makes me think that people might have been primed to jump on him. Because he was already uh, you know, conservative, and that's not as uh, good a spot to be nowadays, at least in the limelight. Yeah. Um, do you think that part of it, though... It, and look, I would agree it's an overreaction. I, I'll just say right out front. Well, the, to the joke was an overreaction. To how he handled it, I'm not sure was an overreaction. When he told everyone, if you don't like my joke, you're an unfunny shitbag, like... That's wrong. Come on. That's man. where he, he veered <laughs> off course. Yeah, um, and it was clear that, like, that makes it seem like the original tweet was meant in bad faith. Right. When I think in a vacuum, it probably wasn't. Yeah. And look, I'll just say right out front that if, if, the, if he were working for Sifted and he cracked that joke on Twitter, he would not be leaving Sifted. He, sure. I'd talk with him and be like, come on, yeah, bro. Take like, it easy. You represent us. Chill out. You like, know. you're representing everybody, and I don't think the joke was funny. I don't know if anybody really thought the joke was funny. Um, but it wasn't so it's a, far it's a, it's out like of bounds. It's like a bounds. Friends in 2002 joke. Like, right. It's not a <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it's it. It's not like you've never heard it before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were TV shows that did far worse than that. I mean, sure. if you go back to, like, The Honeymooners and shows like that where, like, he would literally be like... He was abuser. To the moon! <laughs> he would say to his wife, to the moon! Like, I'm going to punch you and knock you to the moon. So, you know, things used to be way worse. And I get that, like, political correctness is kind of completely spun out of control at this point. But... Going back to what you're saying, you are representing your company. You are representing right. a brand. And we kind of went through this with the whole PewDiePie thing as well, with which a lot of people are like, oh, what he did wasn't right. It's like, but or it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And It is if he represents YouTube. Right. And when you're representing a brand, YouTube or Disney, it, everything yeah, especially changes. Disney. They have expectations yeah. of what their employees can and cannot do. Especially when Disney already has a spotty past with Nazis. Right, like, exactly. They're not, yeah. <laughs> they're not going to tolerate any of that. <laughs> so, you know, I think I've kind of seen through the rumor mill that this wasn't the first time the other guys at Kind of Funny yeah. had had issues with this. 
And I almost feel like, it just seems like to me, that Colin wanted out. And, yeah, yeah. I got that impression a little and bit. And he, this was just a way for him to do it. Like, I don't think. To do when, it without, like, quitting. This way he could quit, quote, honorably, I guess. Like, he was pushed out, and it's like, that's not really what Because here's, here's the thing, Brent. Sympathy is huge. Like, if you're going to start out and do something on your own, having sympathy yeah, like from other people right, so. makes a huge difference. So if you are somehow slighted or wronged, and then you're like, well, screw them, I'm going to do my own thing. If you were slighted or wronged, your chances of success with your new thing, way bigger. Yeah. Um, look at Easy Allies. They're, they all lose their jobs. Everyone's like, well, screw that. You guys are awesome. Like, we're going right. to just, we're going to, you're not losing your jobs. We're going to pay for your new jobs or whatever. And I wonder if, Colin's a smart guy. <laughs> like, I, was a little, I don't know if it was planned so much as an opportunity jumped on. Right. And I wonder if that follow-up tweet was, he's like, okay, I built this little fire. He's like, maybe, maybe. and I have this can of lighter fluid <laughs> that I can spray all over it. And I wonder if that, like, unfunny shitbags thing wasn't him, like, taking a lighter fluid and just spraying it all over the campfire. Maybe. I, I think he would have done that anyway. But then kind of the subsequent talks with the kind of funny guys, I think he was just like, you know, let's... He's already kind of preparing his out. He was doing the Colin Colin's is right, right thing was his own. It wasn't part of. No, them, it was Aaron so. on kind of funny. But it was his own thing. Like I, right. he's going to. He was the only person on the show. Yeah. I don't know if he has. He may not be able to do it though. They may have rights. Well, I might to have that. to name it something else. Right. But he clearly was thinking about doing his own. Well, show. he's also said that he cares more about politics and he does games, and so he may end up becoming some weird political pundit. Like I don't know. Maybe. But it just seems like. I mean, having speaking from experience, how hard it is to start something and how much you put into it and all the sweat equity and just the, the sleep and everything that you have to do to start a company and, and imagining him going through that and doing that with these guys and then just to be just give it away. I mean, look, he probably still owns equity in the company. So if it's sold right. one day, he'll be a multimillionaire or whatever. And maybe that was a smart move for him, ultimately. No, was he like, have to work on it anymore. Like, right. Just, just get your payday. I mean, it could be. I'm not going to so. pretend to say I know anything or anything like that. But that could have been, again, he's a smart guy. And uh, I just found it weird. I found it weird that I felt like either he overreacted or it was a plan. But I think the kind of funny guys maybe had reached the end of the rope with, yeah. with some of the... And look... It's really weird because, it, look, if you worked at, say we still worked at Viacom, and you went on Facebook Live one day and said a bunch of stuff that I didn't agree with politically or whatever, like, you can't, when you come into work on Monday, I can't, like, go to you and be like, hey, like, we want you to leave. You can't do that. Like, <laughs> you can't, like, fire someone over their political beliefs. No, but you can fire someone when their political beliefs are inflaming enough that it is affecting your business. I guess. Like, you have morality you have clauses and shit like that. Yeah. Like, if you... But you don't have freedom depending on, from the Depending on what you said, Viacom could fire you for that. It's actually one of the free gimmies is being racist or something. It's like... See? Well, yeah, I mean, we, had, we actually fired people at Viacom for... We had a homophobic video editor one time. Do you remember yeah. that? Who sat down and started working with a gay producer and started firing off homophobic slurs. Do you remember that? What a, what a dumb way to go, <laughs> man. <laughs> 
And like this is this is L.A. like the business. Like, yeah, it's there's like probably a higher percentage of gay people anyway. Like just if you feel like that, say it at home. It will right, or you're in the wrong business. <laughs> right. Well, also, why did you move to California? Like it's the last day you want to live in. If you feel that way, like go yeah. back wherever. How many friends could you really have that think like you do? Yeah, not I a whole lot. So uh, I just found it interesting. I I'm shocked that he left. To be honest with you, although once everything started happening, it wasn't such a surprise because he had kind of come out and said, "Well, you know, I really like politics and blah blah blah." It, it almost feels unrelated. Yeah, like un- related and chronologically only. Whereas like this thing blows up, and he's like, "You know what? F this." I'm going to go do politics stuff. Yeah. And from an editorial standpoint, this is just my opinion, I think Kind of Funny loses its best person. Yeah. I, do you watch her stuff? No. He was the only one who ever criticized it. Already got to watch three hours of you yeah, every, yeah. every week. I don't have, <laughs> not made of time. But uh, editorially, he was the only one who ever had the guts to say, this isn't good, I don't like this. Like, yeah. the rest of them are kind of like the YouTube thing. Like, this is great, this is awesome. They try to stay positive, which, look, I understand there's people that like that, and they have the right to run their editorial however they want. But from my perspective, like, I appreciated him because he was the one guy on all their podcasts who'd be like, wait, 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 hold on a minute. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, like, uh, the, the last episode I think he did with them, want his, his uh, statement on that episode was that, you know, he didn't think Zell deserved a 10. And everyone else on the panel was like, oh, yeah, it does. And he was, like, the one guy who actually... I mean, on the technical stuff alone... Right, you gotta at least bump it. To I'm like not even nine. arguing right now, okay, like yeah, whether yeah, it is I'm or isn't saying. a ten. I'm just saying he's the There's one an guy. To be had, right. There is, but he's the one guy who actually said, "Well, wait, let's think about this. Like, what is a perfect ten? You know, I just think that they're going to miss him a lot more than they think they are, yeah. and I think they may ultimately regret, kind of, because a lot of people are saying that they. I still think. I mean, if you have an organization that is dependent on opinions like that one of the other people step up and play that role. Like, I don't think... You can't... But here's the thing. You can't play that role. Either you got it in you or you don't. They might have it in them and just don't say it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. If if you get in the state of mind to start looking for things, you'll see them. But see, then you turn into an actor. And then it starts to feel unnatural. It's like, you can't say, like... You can't just go from... Everything is awesome. I'm optimistic about everything. And then just overnight be like, suddenly I'm like the critical guy. Well, you like, spread it out over a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That's like a smooth transition. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that for the quality of their content going forward, I think they made a mistake. Um, we'll see. That's very possible. I mean, a lot of their fans, it seems, are really angry at the rest of the kind of funny guys because they say that they didn't stand up for him. And while I don't think that they needed to go and be like, hey, that joke's fine, and anybody who's offended right. by it is dumb, they didn't have to necessarily go out the way that they did and say, hey, like, this isn't something we support. It just seems like an overreaction to me, even though I, I don't yeah, support I'm not what sure he said. It was, and I'm sure they didn't either. I'm not sure it needed a statement. Yeah, I mean, they had to say something. But what they could have said is, hey, it's a slip-up, whatever, Colin's amazing, he's one of our, yeah. he's just the linchpin like, of our company, yeah. and, you know. I mean, like we've said, in a vacuum, his joke would probably be fine, but as he represents our company, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, something like that. It's, yeah. But, I mean, those guys really kind of came out against him. Yes. I mean, it was, I was pretty shocked. Well, they're probably pretty pissed because he was leaving. Yeah. Or maybe they knew already that he was leaving. I think so. There's, I, In my experience, when someone's like, one foot out the door, it's really obvious. Yeah, you're right. Because they, they start know. mailing it in. And if yeah. you work with them every day... You yeah, you start seeing it. You start noticing there's not that little extra bit of effort. Like that guy who you would go to and be like, hey, 
any chance you can get this done before end of day? And they're like, sure, no problem. (laughs) Like, I'll stay later if I have to. Suddenly they're like, well, I have dinner with like blah, blah, blah. So I can't. That's the type of change that you start seeing in an employee when they're ready to get out of there. And as a manager, you know it like right away. And you're like, well, looks like we're going to have to start looking for a replacement. So you could be right. This could have been something that was going on for a while. It sounds as if. This wasn't the first time they had conversations with Colin about this. Yeah. I mean, it also sounds like, you know, if you have four founders, there might be some jockeying for, like, you know, I was a Equity. founder. I can tell oh, you right. this. Or just, like, not necessarily power, but, like, uh, respect, I guess. No, especially right. if he gets a talking to every time he says something in a, in a conservative manner. He's you're probably right. pretty tired of that shit. Yeah. And I think part of this, too, just might be the current political climate. Everybody's supercharged right now yeah. with everything that's going on. Um, it's really divisive. The country is divided. It's not like it was every other presidential election where one side lost and they're like, that sucks, but the world's not going to end. Yeah. Now people are like, the world's going to end, and it just polarizes everybody, and I think it, it pervades into every element of our society. It's not just politics. It's I mean, it was, it was like that before Trump won, too. I'm not sure that it would have gone away had Hillary won and yeah. we had like kind of a regular presidency. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. It, we'll never know that. But uh, regardless, yeah. we, that's where we're at right now. And I feel like it is just people are just digging in their heels and taking sides. And no one can kind of meet in the middle anymore. And I feel like that joke was something that normally would have just kind of floated in the middle there. Right. And people it would have raised a couple eyebrows. Like a couple feminist groups probably would have been like, hey, whatever. But right. it wouldn't have resulted in what happened here. So... It'll be interesting to see how this how this stuff goes uh, down going forward. It'll be interesting to watch Kind of Funny and see how it changes without him. Um, I'm guessing they're going to bring somebody in to replace him, and I hope if they do, they bring in someone who actually has some criticism for stuff instead of just saying being a cheerleader, yeah. essentially. I, you so. don't know if they're self-aware enough to know kind of what they're missing. Yeah, because, look, it could be... You're right. Like, it could be a whole ego thing where they're like, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes either. He could just... He could have just been showing up and doing a show and then leaving. Yeah. And not doing all the prep work and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you have to yeah. do. To or get he could have been busting together. his ass the whole time and You're was right. tired of not getting respect for it. You're so right. who, who knows? Yeah, and we probably never will know, in all honesty. But uh, wish Colin luck. I think it's a, sh- I think it's a shame to see him leave games. Um, like I said before, I think... Has he said he's leaving games or is he just kind of weighing much. his options? I mean, yeah. he said he's weighing his options, but he said that he, he could do... He could, he would enjoy a lot more political stuff if he had the opportunity to do it. And well, I mean, I'd like to see him do political commentary on games, something yeah, like that. He had, a couple of his episodes of Colin Was Right was like right. that. And, uh, again, he was providing something that not a lot of other people are doing. A lot of people are just afraid, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, like it or not, I mean, there's a 48% of America who's probably on board. Like, yeah, but see, that's... might get some criticism, but... Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think even somebody left something on Sifted last week about, you know... Be careful because statements that you make, you could be cutting off half of your potential audience. And it's like, it's it's dicey, right? Because yeah. it's like, I'm sure the way Colin is looking at it is, okay, well, I could kind of hide how I feel and have this bigger potential audience. Or I could demonstrate the side that I'm on and then that whole side rallies. You see what I'm saying? You could have yeah. everybody apathetic or you can have half passionate. See what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's I, like I two it. love and hate versus. It's like apathy. two business models there. It's like, do you want to be the vanilla guy in the middle who has the opportunity to get these subscribers or these Patreon supporters from everyone? Yeah. Or 
do you take the side and then you have the half that are just like, oh, he spoke up and he's like me and I'm going to support him. You get people who get more passionate that way. When you're dealing with the middle, it's all about your content, right? Is your right. content good enough to rationalize it or not? Whenever you take a side, you kind of have a built-in incentive for people to actually support you. Because they're like, oh, he's, I like games. He likes games. I'm conservative. He's conservative. I can't find many conservative people who like games as much as I do. Right. Here's my money. So it'll be interesting to see Maybe. what angle it takes. I mean, it's just interesting that we're talking about this. Because this isn't something that's ever really happened in games. Video games have never really been politicized before. Like... I've been in this industry 20 years. I've never talked about anything like this. So I think it's just a sign of the times and the way our country feels. And not even just a country, the world, obviously, with Brexit happening in the UK and yeah. all this other stuff going on. So I feel like we're just, our world is at a turning point, And it's, it's impossible to keep something that important and that big out of anything at this point. I mean, the other half is you have situations where, like, uh, you know, like Ender's Game or something where, like, I love that book, but I'm not a big fan of the author. And it's like, can you separate, like, if he does videos that aren't political, but now you know that he has views that you find abhorrent or something, which I, I don't think he's, like, openly racist or anything. I don't think he actually is abhorrent. But um, if you did, you kind of like, well, can I separate that? Especially when yeah. it's a talking head in front of you as opposed to something he created that you're enjoying. I think it's going to be a lot harder Where's to Where's the line that between life and art, right? I guess that's what we're right. really getting at. Well, I think when it's, you know, someone in front of a camera, it's a lot closer. And you I know, think... a lot of people won't see, like, you know, Tom Cruise movies because of Scientology and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, sorry, I like the movies. I'm going to go see them. But it's, I understand it. Well, I also think political leanings... It's going to get worse. Political leanings can influence your perspective on art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there may be subject matter in games that I'm okay with. Somebody else may hate. And if you go back to it, it, sometimes it ties into their political ideologies or their, how they identify politically. Um, you know, certain things are going to offend people that won't offend other people. Uh, and that certainly flavors your critiquing of art. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think you could draw a line or at least a correlation between his propensity to be more critical of stuff and his, you know, conservative beliefs. That's kind of a more... I guess so. Uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see I, if there was conservative and like left game coverage, I think they'd be very different. Oh yeah, I mean you see it. I mean you yeah. can look at sites like Polygon and Kotaku. Like, you know, they. I again, I say this all the time on the show, but I see everything. I see every piece right. of content every publication publishes, and after you can just do it for a few days, and you can start to see. The types of stories, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Polygon is the only major site that promotes Anita Sarkeesian's videos. They're the only one. So, Feminist Frequency or whatever it is. Every time she publishes a new episode of that, Polygon features it on Polygon.com. They're the only website that does that out of all of them. So, To be fair, they're a little samey now. (laughs) I I think I've watched one episode of it or whatever. I I just didn't care. It didn't resonate with me. And I... It's not that I think they're bad or anything. They're just, I don't care. Well, I would have said that the first couple episodes actually showed me stuff that I hadn't really thought about. After that, it was really just kind of like, all right, I I got it, man. You're just just showing different angles of the same story. But I hadn't heard the story before in the beginning, so it was nice. And I think you're probably right, too, if you look at the outlets. And Sifted wasn't around when that series launched. But I would venture to guess that the first couple episodes probably were featured on... 
Everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, everyone was talking about it. Right. And then as time went on, I mean, that happens with a lot of series, though. Like, the first couple episodes, people are like, this is a new, a new concept. And then if it doesn't evolve over time, people kind of fall out of love with it. And that's just yeah. human nature. So, but Polygon, every time she publishes something new, they promote it. And you can certainly see that their political leanings are coming into play with what they're promoting on their page. So, I mean, occasionally they're activist-y with their content and it's they're right totally they're right yep they can run their editorial however they want and if people don't like it you just don't go you know that's yeah. that's the beauty of america <laughs> you can choose whatever the hell you want to consume so yeah the separation of politics and art it's it's i don't know if it's ever going to happen it's a dicey proposition i think when you try to do it it can just make things worse yeah. um i think it just polarizes people and it, again it's just something else that's going to make people dig in their heels and not come to the center as one and uh, I don't know what it's going to take to get our country to come together. I really hope it would. I hate the way it is right now. Um, and I hate it's that be it, a couple more years. It might be. And I hate that it's trickling down into other stuff like this. Like, I hate that, like, yeah. Colin left kind of funny. <laughs> right. It's really crazy. Well, we don't never know that that was like specifically this. his political beliefs, but maybe. I mean, certainly, I, it certainly contributed. I think we do kind of know that it was part of it because the yeah. kind of funny guys came out and said that, you know, we had talked to him about stuff like this no, before. You're right. You're right. Um, and so we do know that some of his beliefs, and it may not even be a belief, it's maybe his ability to make light of certain topics that other people are not willing to make light of, is maybe the better way to put it. Um, and his yeah. willingness to do that was at odds with the other guys, and off you go. So, yeah. good luck to Colin, good luck to Kind of Funny. Hopefully you guys find someone to take his place that is uh, critical, like he was, and can keep you guys sort of balanced with your coverage and... Colin, if uh, you go into politics, best of luck, man. I'll definitely watch anything you do. So cool. let's move on. We're going to talk about PlayStation 4 making a big move. Um, as, we, as we know, Microsoft's Big Play Anywhere initiative, uh, basically where you buy an Xbox One game, you automatically get the PC version of it for free. Uh, great program. I've often wondered how exactly that's supposed to help the Xbox brand actually I mean, it helps succeed. me. I mean, I bought... Uh... Forza Horizon, and I would not have done that otherwise, because it's like, I'm not going to get out the Xbox One and do that, but like... My Xbox One just died, by the way, like, <laughs> for the second time. All those games you're going to miss out on. I, have, I hardly play it, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, Gears of War already came out. I know. <laughs> and there's, what, Phantom Dust coming up, or nothing really coming up. Yeah. You got uh, Crackdown coming at the end of the year. I mean, they should have a big E3, because well, they have nothing on, announced. You can play it on PC. Right. Yeah, so... It's, it's interesting because I never really thought the Play Anywhere thing was all that... I mean, you said you bought Forza Horizon because of it. Yeah. Because you couldn't play it on your Xbox One, you just didn't want to get it That's out. the sort of game that I don't think would have gotten a PC version unless Microsoft was pushing it. That's true, yeah. Um, and so that's where I played it, and then I eventually was like, oh wait, I can play this on Xbox One, and played it there too. It was nice. Uh, Quantum Break did the same thing. It did, yeah. Um, because actually Eventually. the PC version was kind of eh, so yeah. I actually played it on the Xbox. Oh, okay. But I, um, I wonder, I just can't comprehend Microsoft's strategy with this. Why does it think that making Xbox One games available on PC is going to help the Xbox brand? Like, I just... Just because more people are playing their games. I mean, sure. Oh, sorry. Like, sure, you bought a game that maybe you weren't going to buy. That's $60 that maybe Microsoft made that they wouldn't have. But I'm just wondering if Microsoft is just priming everybody. When it gets you in their ecosystem everybody. a little bit, like when you play those, those games on Windows, you're in, like, the Xbox app. And right. you see your friends and stuff, and you're like, 
oh, they're all playing Halo. You know what? Maybe I'll do that. You know, I I think that's dicey. It can't hurt. <laughs> it can't hurt. You're right. I mean, I think it can hurt the platform. I though. think it's a very consumer-friendly decision. I don't know what it really does for them in a business sense, but... I, I'm, I'm yeah. flabbergasted by it. I, I really cannot see where, unless they're just planning on ditching the Xbox brand, which is obviously not happening. They have Scorpio coming out. The first real next-gen console is coming at the end of the year. So they're not trying to bail on the Xbox brand, but it's like, maybe, maybe what I'm starting to realize, it was all a build-up to make Scorpio a success. Because Scorpio, if it comes in at... Let's say even $500. Okay. You cannot build a, a, a rig, a PC rig, capable of running 4K games for anywhere near that. Okay. I mean, you Maybe. can't even really buy the video card for that to run 4K at a decent frame rate. I mean, a 1070, a, a 1070 could do it. Yeah. 1070 will run 4K? It depends on the game, and it depends on whether or not that game is doing all the shortcuts it would do on an Xbox. Right. Still, though... You, then you're thick talking. You're not talking about the monitor you have to buy, and the case, and the motherboard, and the RAM. And, well, I mean, monitor's not fair because you need cooler. a TV for the Xbox. Yeah, but who plays PC games with a 65-inch plasma <laughs> TV like a foot away? Like that just doesn't happen. Like, and I mean, monitors aren't a big deal anyway. You can get good monitors like a hundred bucks or whatever. Sure, They're not 4K, obviously. But you start talking about 4K, they're that's expensive. If you need a 4K monitor for your PC, right? So, you might already have that. I mean, it just depends on the person. Like, some people work on their computers all day, and they might already have a pretty decent setup, and they're like, you know what, I can play this here. So, so anyway, I think that what they're leading towards is, okay, we've given you the ability to play games on the PC, but now we're going to put out what essentially is a 4K PC for $500 or whatever it ends up costing, Scorpio ends up costing. I mean, it's kind of what Steam was trying to do. Right. Yeah. But I think... Microsoft actually might have a chance here. Right. Because they've already built the Xbox brand. Whereas, like, the Steam right. boxes or whatever, like, they never really had penetration or retail. Retail kind of pushed back on them because... Well, the they had a really aborted launch there. It was, like, yeah. really unclear. Like, you could buy the machines, but you couldn't run the stuff on it. It was right. like, why would I get this then? And then by the time it did come out, everyone was like, well, are those machines still a thing? Like, it was very confusing. Yeah. So this is just the first part of what we want to talk about. Why, is, why did Microsoft do this in the first place? The second part of it is, why... Did Sony feel the need to try to match it? Because yeah. that's essentially what Sony has done. Now that PlayStation 4 games are going to be on PlayStation Now, you will be able to play PlayStation 4 games on your PC. Why? Why, Why did it do this? I mean, it's like the... That's one of those things. I think, you know, they bought Gaikai, and this is obviously that technology. Yeah. I think they're trying to go for an area where you can, you know, what was it? It was it NVIDIA that was talking about doing the cloud gaming stuff, like where you could, I think it would be really neat to do demos and stuff where you don't have to download 60 gigs. You're just like, yeah, yeah. fire this up. You can play it immediately. Um, but they're not actually doing... I wonder if developers and publishers are okay with that, though, because that's the first impression they're getting of their game. And, I mean, I'm sure you've used on live or maybe even Gaikai. Right. Like, sometimes the experience isn't the best. Iffy. Yeah. yeah. And I just wonder if publishers and developers would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, well, my point is is that that's kind of the unique thing you could do with the technology, and they're not doing any of it. They're just letting you play games that you could theoretically play anyway. Like, for the PS3 shit, it might just be like, you don't have a PS3 anymore. Yeah. And like, so that's neat that I can still play those. But for the PS4 stuff, like, if you're into this, you probably have one. You would think. Um, and I guess it's neat that you can play it wherever. Um, 
but it's not something I'd ever use. I just, I just feel like uh, Sony is like, oh, we're late to the party. And I'm wondering too if it's a factor of what Pactor has been saying for quite a while, which is that consoles are going away, and that you know, and they'll probably be one more generation after this, and then everything is going to be streamed. And I'm wondering if Sony is starting to realize that's the case, and is preparing itself for this console-free future that's going to come. I feel like everyone thought that was a thing, like. Three to five years ago, but like no, all these electronics and stuff get cheaper and cheaper. Like it's it's always going to be easier to just have a box in your home than it is to stream it from some cloud. That's always going to be more expensive. It's always going to be a lot more reliable too. Right, to have it, it in your home. Right. I mean, there are certainly some games that you know. I, for instance, the other day I was trying to start up a game on my uh, PlayStation Four, and it needed like an eight gigabyte update. Yeah. And I well, can't play it without the update. Like it was, it was Overwatch, and I'm just like, oh, it's an online game, yeah, right. And like, so there's some games where if you're not connected to the internet, you can't play them anyway, right. So, you know, saying that you know the inconvenience of of having a PlayStation Now or a streaming service or something like that is like, oh, well, if your internet's down, like you can't really play it. Like that's just kind of extrapolated across the entire industry right now. But it's not about it being down; it's about it being solid. Yeah. And like being yeah. able to, and like no latency, Lag which free, yeah. depending on where you are versus like the main roots of the internet, that might just not be a thing. Yeah. Like you can download a game, but you can't get real time play from some cloud somewhere else. It's like you start talking about online multiplayer and with genres like fighting games, for instance. I mean, yeah. there, people who play fighting games are never going to want to play fighting games on a streaming service. It's just not going to happen. So, what happens to those people if that day comes? Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that day ever is going to come, not because of those people, but because I think the the hardware will always be easier to do in home. And, like, you start talking about, we have very powerful computers sitting in our pockets. Like, they're only going to get more powerful. Like That's uh, PAC's contention, is that why sell this separate GPU and CPU when in five or six years people are going to have PlayStation 4s in their pocket? Well, that's still not streaming. That's still not the end of console generation. It's just the consoles, you're also your phone. Well, I think his contention was that it's not that we're going to have a completely hardware-free industry. It's that the hardware is going to be baked into other multi-use electronics, like our smartphone or whatever. I mean, he I mean, always says TVs, which... And TVs. Maybe. Whatever. Um, but, I mean, you're already seeing that with Switch. I mean, isn't Switch just really a mobile platform? With a little screen, <laughs> like yeah, with that's little, really all it is. Yeah. It's a smartphone without the phone, essentially. I mean, it's got the same processors that they're using in like the Nvidia Shield products, which are basically mobile right. game. Like, I think it's heading that way. I uh, I don't know how long. I think maybe Pax time schedule is a little truncated, um, okay. but I think it's going to go that way. Like, I just can't see why. I mean, right there, a perfect shot. He just brought up comparing the iPad to the Switch. I mean, that's pretty much what the Switch is. It's an iPad without all the other cooler shit that the iPad does. Right. And Nintendo, I think, would be smart to just be software only and put their stuff out on everywhere. But yeah. they're not going to do that. It's like not Nintendo that's going to push that envelope. No, I don't, no. I don't no, think it's going to be Well, Nintendo never really pushes any envelope anymore. No. It's always playing, like, catch-up or but the, but that's playing my point off is, everyone else. Nintendo's not going to do it. I don't think Sony's going to do it. Microsoft's definitely not going to do it, especially not with, like, Apple. So who is going to do this? Like, 
Apple's certainly not stepping up and getting into games for yeah. reasons unknown. I think they actually had something with the Apple TV where they could have done something amazing. Yeah. And they just don't. But probably because like, it's just in watches, else? and it's like, that's not a big enough profit margin for us. Yeah, probably they're just too busy <laughs> counting all their cash right. to give a shit about gaming, but like... Their standards are really high. It's like... <laughs> Man, if we don't have like a 200% profit margin, why would we do it? That's yeah. what we make off our products. So I think that's why Apple hasn't done it. I mean, you know, they're slowly converting to from a, a company that makes devices to a services company as well, which is why their stock has gone up because people are starting to realize like, yeah, maybe they didn't sell quite as many iPhones as they did. But everyone's paying for Apple Music now. Yeah, but yeah. now everyone's starting to give them even more money than that into their services. So... Thank God Apple stock went up, by the way. I am an Apple stock owner, full disclosure. So I was very <laughs> happy to see that happen. But uh, it's, it's interesting to think about this future and to see how Sony is trying to prognosticate what is going to happen. And I, for me, I, see, there's no I other explanation why Sony would do this. I think you're reading too much into it. I, I don't think this is some huge... Uh, shift in Sony's policy or anything. I think they bought Gaikai a couple years ago because OnLive and all that was pretty hot, and they're like, maybe this is the future of games. And now it's sitting around, so they're going to you know, well, do no, I mean, the service. PlayStation Now has been around for a long time. It isn't just like launching. No, I'm just saying, but they're not, they're not going to let it die. They still own the technology, which is kind of neat, and it must be doing okay for money. So well, I think that's what's happened. I think it's not doing okay for money. You don't think so? No, and I think that's why they're like, look, these people, people don't want to play these old games and pay for it. We need to start getting the newer games onto PlayStation I've always thought now. that was weird because to to us like there's no reason there couldn't be much more powerful things behind the scenes doing this especially like you know why aren't there ps4 pros running this shit like yeah might as well have the biggest uh machinery in the background if you're just streaming it to us well it's uh i'm sure they will be i'm sure it's gonna be a playstation yeah. 4 pro but i mean you look at the other services like ea access like you know it has this exclusive deal with microsoft where you know if if you have it on microsoft you can uh Play Mass Effect Andromeda right now if you're a part of their service. Like, yeah. gives you early access to games. That builds some incentive to it. But still, even with that, it's not enough because EA just announced that it's starting to spread EA access out to other platforms now. So the PC, at least. So yeah. I'm just wondering if people are starting to realize that there's just not a lot of money in these game streaming services for retro games and they need to start getting the more recent releases. And look, I don't think... You're going to see Horizon Zero Dawn on PlayStation Now for two or three years at the very least. Right? Yeah. Sony is basically looking at its software and saying, hey, which games can we not sell anymore at retail? Which games are just completely flat, flattened out? And those are the games that it's putting on But you can get those now. already through flash sales and stuff. Like, I think everyone's trying to be like the Netflix of gaming, but it's just not the right medium because they're all 30-hour yeah. investments. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, um, I think Gamefly, you've seen that. Like, Gamefly has never hit even a million subscribers. Yeah. It has not hit that number yet. Netflix has, what, like 100 million subscribers or something like that? Um, so obviously... The, the medium fits the market The market is spoken, yeah. right. Yeah, it's, it's about the medium. Like, for whatever reason, people are much more apt to pay for a streaming service for a TV and film than they are to stream games. And, I mean, a part of it, too, is performance, obviously. Well, it's been proven person... that films and TV look fine streaming in 1080p. Game streaming, not ideal yet. The technology's yeah, not still good not quite there. Yeah. Well, and the type of person that's going to play games enough for the streaming thing to be worth their time is already investing enough that, like, why wouldn't you just buy a PS4? Like, yeah. if this is your hobby that it's worth spending 20 bucks a month, like, make the investment and get the better 
better option. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, but... Uh, Especially to play, like, then you can play new stuff. But, I mean, with the thing with PlayStation Now is you have access to this huge catalog. Like that. My for point is that you always 15 have bucks access, a month or whatever But you still have access to this catalog for 15 bucks a month. If you just spend that much on, like, flash sales and stuff, yeah. you can play anything on there. Yeah, but you have to be, like, on it. And, like, you have to, like, you have to be a, basically a subscriber to Sifted because you're seeing all the deals that are coming out every day. But Right, but if you just ch- check the flash sale every now and then, you're going to find something that's... If you're the type of person that's really into, like, playing back catalog stuff... Then just check the sales. You're going to find something. Yeah, but I would also contend that the deals that you see from Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, they're not of, like, the humble bundle level of deals, where you get, like, 30 games for, like, $15 or whatever. They're decent sales, but they're not amazing. Like, and you have to stay on it, and you have to check PSN every day, and or you have to check Sifted every day for all the deals. Like, I'm just... My point is that the quantity doesn't seem like it's as big a benefit... As the like, if it's really just the amount of games you get for the money, like, thing is, you're gonna pick one of those games and play it for a long time. Like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I can't imagine being in a situation where I would pay for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. I think that's. I think these services are not doing very well, and they're trying to find ways to bolster them and keep them alive because Sony spent a ton of money on Gaikai. Man. Yeah. I can't believe how much money they gave Gaikai. Uh, and so they're trying to recoup their investment and make sure they don't lose their ass on this sale. And I think they've realized the only way that they can do it, because they've been pretty good, man. Like, I've been impressed with the press releases from Sony saying, hey, we just put another 20 games up on PlayStation Now. And they're not, like, vaporware, shovelware games. Like, they're good games, but they're old games. And so... But to me, the benefit of these streaming services is something like NVIDIA, where you know something seriously powerful is behind that stream, right. whereas these is like, it's PS3s or PS4s. Like, even if it's a PS4 Pro, like, I don't know, you, it's not like some $2,000 machine behind there. Like, I would never buy that for myself, but now I can play this game and it'll look amazing. Do you really think that there are rooms with, like, PlayStation 3s and PlayStation 4s? Or do you think that they're just, they're just running these games you off of PCs? Them? Yeah. So it would be cheaper if they could do that. And look better, obviously. Because you're going to lose some fidelity. You don't think so? No. Huh. I think they literally have a bunch of PS3s hooked up to the internet up there, and they're all networked up. That seems insane. (laughs) That really just seems crazy. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, maybe not necessarily a PS3, but, like, it's cell architecture. I wonder if anybody in the chat has any idea how that tech works. I'm wondering. I've not really done the the research into Gaikai to see how it actually works. I'm not sure they'd tell you. Because on live, it was PCs. Right. Because it was all because you couldn't play anything on, on live that had not been released for PC. So you knew that that was kind of the backbone that was running everything. But with PlayStation Now, obviously, I don't know. I would think that they'd be running emulators on PCs, man. It just seems like it just makes too much sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. That doesn't mean they did that. It, yep, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what makes sense isn't always what happens, unfortunately, <laughs> particularly with video games. So... It'll be interesting. I'll be interested to watch and see what kind of games actually release for PlayStation Now off PlayStation 4. I'm guessing when that whole service launches, you're probably going to get, like, Resogun. Like, yeah, it's really, like... Basically that, is, like, launch lineup. Like, is Bloodborne there? Is, uh, is the Naughty Dogs game there? That's the stuff that people are going to be like, okay, those are what I would have bought a PlayStation 4 in the first place. Let me get that. Yeah. If it's something I could have played on PC or Xbox or whatever system I already own, then No. But if I was a huge Dark Souls fan and never owned a PlayStation 4, finally I can play Bloodborne? Like, yeah, that'd be yeah. pretty cool, especially to pay for, like, one month. Well, I think the, Why not? the bigger thing, though, I think, is that people can pay 
to play PlayStation games without owning a PlayStation, though. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of PC players out there who have, some of them never owned a PlayStation. Like, I any mean, of them. Especially for the PS3 era, to me, it was the Naughty Dog machine. Like, that's yeah. kind of all I played on it. I yeah. Mean, um, and so this, if this had existed then and was playing semi-recent games, I would not have bought a PS3. Right. I would have just said, like, you know what, I'll just stream Last of Us and... Uncharted. And that's what I'm wondering. Does it de-incentivize people to buy a PlayStation 4? Not that it really matters at this point. The Not install base is so games. huge already. It's like... Yeah. Some people don't care about playing games like right away, though. A lot of people are cool with playing them a couple months later, buying them for half price or whatever. I think that's what's taken a big chunk out of the year-over-year -year software sales right now. Our people are getting smart and they're... Stop, they're not pre-ordering If you pre just wait anymore. like two months, sometimes the price just plummets. Like Titanfall... If you paid 60 bucks for that, I'd be pretty pissed. Because it was like 35 a month later. And like as that continues, it's like, why would I buy it immediately? Especially yeah. certain companies that are known for dropping their prices. Yeah. You'd just be like, well, I'll see you next month, and then I'll buy that one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. At the very least, you're going to save like 20 bucks. I mean, Sony, I can get why it did it. It's opened up a whole, an entirely new market to its software. In a lot of cases, a lot of people who are never going to buy a video game console, um, and if they do, I, just, I don't see quote casuals doing this. Yeah, no me way. either. No way. No. This is. Well, I don't like, think there is a, such a thing as a casual PC gamer. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> really you don't need a powerful it? PC to do this. Right. Well. To stream? No. Really? No. You need something powerful enough to decode. Video. The video. That's it. Yeah, because you're not doing any processing on your end. You're just getting a video no. stream from some other PC that is actually doing all the work. You can have a, you you're just a hoping that your controller inputs are going back and forth really quickly. Right. I mean, you can have a pretty shitty PC that can still decode 4K video, no problem. 4K? Yeah. I mean, this isn't 4K. I'm, I'm saying that as a superlative of right. that, like, no one's going to have a problem decoding this video. 4K, though? Yeah. Video decompression is just not, like, 10 years ago, that was a problem. Yeah. It's not now. Interesting. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Sony ultimately does and what kind of games. I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot of indie games. That's my gut feeling, is that the Shovel Knights and the... But all those are available everywhere else. Like, I just yeah. don't see the benefit of that really to the but service. But if you have access to every indie game ever for $14 a month, that's not too bad. All right. All right. And you start tossing in a couple of the older PlayStation exclusives. You already have all the PS3 stuff on there. Yeah, I guess at that point it benefits because it's a streaming service at all, not that it's Sony. Right. It's that there's nowhere else to really get a subscription to these games. Where else can you pay $14 and have a library of thousands of games to play? <laughs> Humble Bundle. <laughs> well. Thousands, no. But Yeah. But you don't stream on Humble, though. I mean, no, I just, I just meant that you get a ton of games. Yeah. That you end up never playing. Yes. <laughs> just like this. I yeah, you're right. You well, yeah, I mean, you'll never even scrape the surface off of PlayStation no. now. In five years, you probably couldn't do it. Unless you, that's all you do. No, I mean, I pay for Gamefly, and, like, I always forget that that disc's there. And I'm like, shit, I gotta send that back so I can get some other game. And then, then I won't play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, the way they do their queues is really weird. I had seven things in that were, like, medium availability. It was like, one of these will go through. And then Darksiders 2 was, like, way at the end. And they sent me Darksiders 2. I'm like, you. That used to happen with, Net with Netflix and DVDs. Yeah. I gotta always get the ones that I... Sometimes I would put stuff on my list just to remind myself about them. Not that I actually right. wanted them to send them. <laughs> and then they'd end up showing up. And I'm like, what? I don't want this damn thing. Just mail it and just send it right back like immediately. So 
Yeah, it'll be crazy. I do love how everything is changing, though, and there's all these different ways to access great video games um, beyond just going to a store and buying a product and then coming home and cracking it open and playing it. So it's, uh, it's an uncertain future. But I do think Pack is onto something. I do think it seems kind of silly to be buying video game consoles 10 years from now. It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> I don't buy that at all. Really? No. I just that has not had been my experience with technology in any way. Well, technology is changing a lot more quickly now than it did for the first 10, 15 years the internet existed, where we were just that's arguable. Glad that it went from 14k to like broadband. That was huge. Oh, of course it was huge. But that we were so happy about that that there was not much else changing otherwise. Like, I mean, if you look the first 10 or 15 years of the internet, it was kind of the same. It was just faster. And obviously, video went up in resolution because of the You mean in the, the ways that we used the internet? Yeah, and the way sites Maybe. were designed all right. and all that type of stuff. Like, sites still really haven't changed all that much when you think about it over all this time. Yeah. Endless scroll. <laughs> like, really? That's like one of the only the things that's really this, changed. of our generation. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> it's, good, it's good to be alive in this day and age. To see all this stuff happening and changing very quickly and seeing technology moving so fast and watching these companies have to make really tough decisions with big bets. Um, I just with an uncertain I, future and not knowing like what the variables are for them to make those decisions. Yeah. I still think you're gonna have a an Xbox box. I mean, even if it's we ten get years to the point, from now. Ten years from now, it might be ninety nine dollars because the consumer hardware is just powerful enough that I mean, like, look, people I, are making. I can games understand push it might it, be a like, little USB stick. Like, I'll, I'll that, say that. That's still a console. It's not, though. Why not? Because it's not... Because you don't like the size I'm not of saying it? there's hardware in there. It's just like a pass-through. It's like a dongle. To what? You think there's streaming into that? It's just like a Roku stick or whatever. But like, the Roku does stuff on the stick. Yeah. I mean, if you're imagining some PlayStation Now service going through that dongle, then that's one other thing. I'm saying yeah. that the dongle itself at that time, be 10 console. years from now, will be infinitely more powerful than the computers we have today playing oh, everything. Sure. So, like... For sure. Eventually, you hit a point where, like, more power with video games, like, there's only so much you can do with it. Like, we'll just do better shadows and better stuff, but... We're already kind of hitting the law. But someone like a Nintendo, like, who never pushed that anyway, like... Yeah. They're totally going to go... And that could be Nintendo's play. Maybe maybe Nintendo's play is the long play. And it's like, look, we're not getting out of this business. This is what we do. And we know that eventually we're going... They're going to hit the wall with technology... And then we're going to swoop in and we're going to have this thing, you know, we keep it low all this time. And then eventually we're going to be spending nothing to have performance as good as the other guys. Who knows? I would believe you if they hadn't tried to push the performance right. of Zelda <laughs> and failed. Then, then I would think that was their strategy. But yeah, good so. point. So we'll see. Um, I think it's a, it's a big deal, though, that Sony is putting PS4 games on PlayStation now. Um, I don't think it's going to cannibalize sales of software on PS4. I think Sony would be really smart about it. Um, but... Then you wonder if being smart about it means them putting games up that no one cares about at all. So Well, yeah, and then you'd think, like, well, what's having those flash... Like, I mean, the flash sale comparison, because if you're just looking for something to play, then it's going to be there. But if they're yeah. specifically keeping certain games in one bucket for PlayStation Now and others for sales... Which they which are. They they're going to do be, that. Yeah. Um, you know, then it still has a viability if you're looking for particular games, right. I guess. I think I think what they should do is say this series is going to be here. This series is going to be here. You know. I wonder too if this doesn't work if PlayStation now just goes away. I mean, it can't be making that. This much seems money. like a desperation move to me. To what they paid for it. I know. There's no way they're going to make that back. I'm wondering. I mean, does it pay for its own lunch at the end of the day? Like maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, like, 
the servers they're running are no doubt scaled to demand. So like if there's not a ton of demand, then they're not paying a ton to run it. Right. That's true. But they might be paying for licenses to get games on it at all. Yeah. I don't really know how that works. Well, they definitely have to pay for licenses for games. Right, but I don't know how much it is. Probably dirt cheap for most of the stuff that's <laughs> yeah. on there. Because these publishers are sitting on games that haven't sold a copy in 10 years or whatever. Right. And they're like, it's hey. like, how much to put Jack and Baxter like, on this? It's right. It's like, hey, lot, even if I make a dollar, that's a dollar more than I made before. And we didn't right. have to do anything. So, yeah. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to watch in the coming years how this all shakes out. But we need to move on. Wouldn't be an episode of Game Face without talking about Nintendo Switch at least once. And so we're going to talk next about something that came up this week. So, actually it was last week was when the first rumblings of this happened. And essentially what happened was, there is, I think it's Rhyme, which used to be a PlayStation 4 exclusive. And right. now it's been moved over and it's multi-platform, thank God, because the game looks really awesome and I've been excited about it for forever. But the developers behind Rhyme said, one, that the Switch version was going to come a little later, which, whatever, new hardware, totally fine. Sure. The bigger deal was that Rhyme was going to cost more for a Nintendo Switch versus every other version. And they asked why. And the developer said, very simply, because Nintendo Switch carts cost way more than working with Microsoft or Sony. Yeah, I can't believe they, that Nintendo didn't eat that cost. I know! It's like, hey, you know what's our big problem? It's third parties. How can we hurt them? Let's charge them for their carts. It's I like, know. what in the world? Like, I understand that the cart is, like, there's proprietary stuff in there. It's not the same as just a Blu-ray or a DVD yeah, or yeah. whatever. But, like, just eat it, man. Like, you eat had it. to make it that small to go into the Switch. Yeah. That's your problem. Like, yeah, the game, exactly. The game developer doesn't care. They don't care. All they want it's to do not, is get their game to as many people as possible. It certainly doesn't afford them any advantages. I mean, like, the max you could get was, like, 32 gigs. It's just, like, that's not well, going to fit. Well, the right. recommended from Nintendo was 16 gigs. Right. I, I mean, because it gets more Nintendo's, expensive as right. you go. And Nintendo's, like, basically, I think why I suggested the 16 gig card is probably because that's the one card that is close to the same charge that publishers or developers would get from Sony or Microsoft. Maybe. And I think once you get yeah. up over that 16 gig hilt, that's when it starts to get a little dicey as far as making games for Switch, because then you're suddenly paying more for these cards to put your games on. So, I don't know if you remember or not, Brent, but this was something that literally killed the N64. Yeah. It killed it. And I don't think we're at a place now because, I mean, if you think back to the N64, those carts where the storage was so low. And, of course, obviously the seek time on them was, was great. There was no loading times on the cartridges. But the size, they were so small that you couldn't fit, like, FMV onto them. And so games like, I think it was Resident Evil 2 was the first game to have CG for N64, if I remember correctly. I think it was. And they were horribly compressed and sounded, and the audio sounded terrible <laughs> and whatever. But the game also cost more money. So the publishers started passing on that extra cost to the consumer. Right. And that's exactly what is happening with Rhyme. Is the, the, they're an indie studio. They're like, dude, we can't eat yeah, that, can't like, that. No $4 way. or $5 per sale. We can't do that. So... Nintendo is putting these people, these people, these companies in these this precarious situation where they have to second guess whether they should make games for Switch, and it's crazy. Well, the answer to that is that if you have this weird cart solution, like let people who want to do carts do carts, but like 
make it digital. Like, yeah. make sure your digital point, your digital stuff is on point. Yeah. And it's not. Like, there's not enough space to put a game on there. Oh, so, no, no. Like, they expect you to go buy a micro SD card. And... No, there should have been, like, a built-in 200 gig. And then, yes, like, just be like, least, you know what? Download all of it. At least yeah. 200 gigs is still nothing. Like, But it's more than, yeah. It's like that dock, that piece of worthless hunk of junk dock. Why didn't they just put storage inside the dock? Like, I get... <laughs> that you could read games off of? Yeah. yeah I mean, smart. look, I get the tablet. It's... You're not going to be able to fit a ton of flash memory in there because you want to keep the form factor thin and portable. But put it in the dock because that dock is just a plastic shell I mean, right now. You could just put a, a drive, a full-on drive in the dock. In the dock. That would fine. No one cares how big that dock is. Yeah, and storage is so cheap now. Like, I don't get it, man. Like, I mean, for 90 bucks for the dock, like, what is in there, man? Like, there's nothing. Like, you can see right here we're showing it. It's like... Filled with gold. It's filled with nothing. It's cheap <laughs> plastic filled with nothing. Like, I... It just looks like a cable connector. That's, that's it. all it is—a glorified cable connector I, I still that, that apparently that scratches some people's screens. I, I yeah. still think that's a bunch of bull crap. But that it does it, or that it happens—that it happens is bull oh, crap. Oh, it didn't happen to you? No, no, not at all. Maybe it, they're just really slamming it in there. You have Switch, don't you? No. Oh, you don't. I played on, oh, you Wii, played U. on Wii U. You played on Wii U. Oh, okay. I was wondering. It's about time I played a game on there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There actually are, like, rubber things on the inside of the dock to protect the screen. Like, I just think people are just, I don't, I think they scratch it some other way and are trying to blame it on the dock. I don't see Maybe. a way they could scratch it. But, uh, you're, but you're right. Your, your point is salient. It's that Nintendo hasn't learned its lesson. It, it can't get third parties to make games for its platform. It should be bending over backwards to do whatever said, they like, want. Look, for us, you don't have to pay any of that. Yeah. How about you don't pay any royalty at all for the first year or whatever? <laughs> Seriously, though. I mean, Nintendo would lose money doing that, but that's the type of move it needs to make. That's to how get you get back ahead in, of the pack. That's how you get yeah. back in the game, really. Yeah. It's, we'll waive all fees first year. One year. Just to get that base. Just to have everybody on board right out of the gate. And at least you're giving yourself a chance. Like, I mean, I already think they've hamstrung themselves by saying they're going to continue the 3DS line. Yeah, totally. So it's just like, well, I mean, if people are going to play handheld stuff, or if you're going to make a game for a handheld, like, you're going to do the one with like 100 million people that have it. Like, yeah. Not the new guy that, I don't know, how many people have now? Two million? Like, no. Or you develop it for both, and then it's, you start to wean yourself slowly off the 3DS. Like, right, but that's like a weird double form factor thing that you're transferring over. Like, it's that's a port. It's not just to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's not points. like the Switch is just going to run 3DS code. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I don't know if you remember with the GameCube with the GBA player on the GameCube, that little thing that you snap <laughs> yeah. the GameCube down on top of. Like, it's not that complicated to make stuff like that work. That's fair. It, it can be just like a pass through or something that goes through the system. So. I don't. It just seems like Nintendo's just making the same mistakes again. Like, and this, this is a mistake from like 1996. I mean, but this is exactly what they did last time. They're making the same mistakes again. I, I don't know why we expect different anymore. Because I think I think they're smart. Like, I really think like the people that work at Nintendo are smart folks. Like, but then stuff like this happens, and you're just like, why? Why? Why are you doing this? The the all I can think is that the financials didn't work out, so that. Even if they did eat, maybe they are eating as much of that cost as they can, and that these carts are really fucking expensive. And like, whoops. then that's a, a problem on whoops, their part. Well. That was a, little, a mistake. Should have done a little uh, UMD discs, like the like the PSP or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, don't think that's the right move either because 
once you do that, you have moving parts. And what I'm realizing no, is... No, no, I'm saying digital only was the answer. I don't know right. why they didn't just push that. Well, I think carts were probably the right call, but... As an option. But, yeah. like, it should just be that, like, you know, for the big game that you don't want to download, or it's like Zelda, I don't mind having that stuck in my in my machine for a while, but yeah. all, these, all the other stuff should just be digital only. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the digital only guy yet. I still buy everything at retail. Really? Yeah. Oh, I... I hate if I somehow have to get a disc. Really? You know, like, if it's, you know, Amazon, they're like 20% off. Right. That's hard to, that's like 12 bucks down, or something. That's yeah. hard to, hard to ignore. But otherwise, like, no, just really? show up on my machine. I don't want to think about yeah, this. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm old school like that. I like to have the games and the discs. But then it just leads to sorrow when they all get stolen. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd have them all back if they were digital. Yeah, but then the value of them is different if they're digital because That's you fair. can't really resell them or I guess you could. Actually, can you sell? Like, what no. happens? Like, at the end of my... You have to sell your whole account. Right. So, let's say I'm about to die and I know I'm about to die. Can I sell, like, my PSN and Xbox Live account someday? I mean, I think it's probably against the uh, terms of service. Is it? There's no way it's not. Because imagine if I am a member of PSN and Xbox Live, and I have been since both of them launched, and I have been since they started giving away free games, my library on Xbox is freaking huge. Yeah. I mean... Massive. There's no way that the between of working as a journalist for 20 years and getting all the free games to review and everything, yeah, and now being a part of Xbox Live and PSN. I mean, my libraries on those two consoles are gigantic. I can't sell those eventually one day. No, I no should way. be able to though. Nope. Why though? Why is that? I'm not saying you should or shouldn't be able to. Right, I'm saying why, you're never going to be able to. Why? Why is that? They don't want you selling accounts. They don't want to. They don't want a secondary market of that unless they get a cut of it. But that's what's happening with physical games right now. Because it can't not happen. There's, like, Supreme Court decisions saying it can happen. But for the digital sales, there's no rules about that. And, like, game publishers don't want a secondary market. They want it all. They want you buying another new copy. I'm wondering if you... To be fair, the kinds of stuff that you would resell are at prices that you get from these sales. Like, I think... I've never seen sales like I've seen in the last couple of years. No, you're right. Before that. Like, it's not worth it to go to, to go to GameStop and be like, oh, let's get this disc that's a little scratched up. Like, right. no, just, <laughs> let's buy the digital version for 20 bucks. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I've not made the conversion over to digital. I can't get over the intangibility of it and the lack of value that you have in whatever you purchase. I, it's just like you said, like, you yeah. can't resell it, so it's really, it's worth nothing. I'm a, I've been a lifelong loser of things, uh, so it's nice to remove one thing I can lose. Well, it's also nice when you move, and you don't have to move a whole bunch of crap along with yeah. you. You just take your console and your hard drive, and off you go. So, uh, I, just, so I just got a PS4 Pro, and I sold my PS4. And uh, How'd you sell your PS4? Uh, my buddy Adam. I just, uh, I just sold it to him. Um, I'm looking around, I'm like, you know what, I need to get ready for this new Dark Souls 3 DLC. Yeah. Let me make sure, you know, because I think it's going to be at the end of the game, so I need someone that's there and hasn't gone on to the new game plus. I'm like, where is that disc? It was in the PS4. I mailed it <laughs> I mailed it to fucking Portland. He's going to mail it back, but like, why didn't I get a digital version of this? You never even thought to check the drive because you never use it. I thought I did. I guess not. Yeah. So what impact do you think this will have long term on Switch? Do you think any? I mean, I think it's just another point in the won't succeed column. Yeah. And kind of a big one. I, Particularly I still, when you're talking about yeah. indie developers. But indie developers generally don't put their stuff out physically. 
I mean, it's either I, I usually think they're trying to, I think they're trying to swim in the water holding a boulder, and this is another rock on top of that, but they weren't going to swim anyway. Yeah. I, I think Switch is going to be dead in the water. Do you? I think, I think not making it the Nintendo console, still having the 3DS, was the dumbest thing they could have I've been saying that on the show for weeks and weeks yeah. now, that keeping the 3DS around is a huge mistake, and not what we were, not the bill of goods go, we were sold all either. In. They need to go all in on this, and they didn't, it's which like, makes why? me think they don't believe in it either. Well, yeah, either. it's like, why do you make a console handheld hybrid and then just not Keep make it handheld? your handheld? Like, yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I will say there is something really cool about playing games that look as good as, like, Zelda, like, portable. I, I'm not saying that the Switch isn't cool. I'm yeah. saying that it would do so much better if all these series that make a living on the 3DS were like, okay, we're going to make a Switch now. Like, yeah. all these Fire Emblems and all the uh, Pokemons and stuff start coming over. Like, that'd be a system to be reckoned be huge, with. Yeah. And it's just not going to be. Yeah, I, uh... I feel like you're swimming upstream when you say something bad about Switch because everybody is just like all over it. Nintendo announced that it's uh, doubling production of the console yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I wish them nothing but good luck. Yeah, I just don't expect it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I projected five million units sold worldwide by the end of the year, and by the end of the year, maybe, maybe even if it's more than that, like because here's I the thing: know. in Japan, it's already done. Like, it sold, like, 300 and some thousand. That's rough. The people bought. Well, that's that's not, that's actually pretty good for Japan, believe it or not. It's, I think it was more than the PS4 sold out? launch. No, I don't, I don't think they sold out. But it, yeah. it did well, relatively speaking, for Japan. But now what? <laughs> like, you got Zelda out there. You got your 300,000 sales in Japan. I just, I don't see Mario. Mario's the only thing on the horizon that would actually make me think twice about the Switch. And I don't. I can't imagine a Mario game that's so good that I buy a console for it. Galaxy was that good enough for you to buy a console for it? No, it wasn't. I mean, I really liked Galaxy. Yeah. And I already own the console, so that worked out. But like, I don't know. Mario's fun, but it's not a system seller to me. Yeah, I think system, a lot of people. System it is, sellers though. are system sellers are experiences like The Last of Us, or I think Zelda qualifies. But it's just knowing that there's nothing else on the horizon when you buy Zelda is really tough. It is tough, yeah. I keep walking past my Switch sitting there by my TV, and I'm just like, when am I going to play you again? Yeah. Like, the Splatoon 2 uh, early access thing is coming up soon, and I'll probably get in on that and play that for a little bit. But then, yeah. like, I don't really care about Mario Kart 8. I played that game to death. <laughs> it's a great game. But yeah. I have literally played it for probably, like, 150 hours already. Like toss in a couple tracks maybe i play those for a little while but i'm not spending 60 dollars to buy it all over again like it's not necessarily a game that suffered on the wii u either yeah you know yeah it looked great still looks great i mean i wouldn't have even said zelda was a game that suffered on the wii u yeah. but i mean as bad as the frame rates were in uh, docked mode on the <laughs> switch i mean i don't think it suffered there, at all on wii there's u. some stuff on the wii u like when you're in that forest going towards the master sword you know that's such an epic moment it in is. all the games yeah. like you know the music swells and it's like ur, ur, ur. No, it's like, like that on nice. switch too or when you go to the great fairy like in kakarino village yeah, 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 yeah like up on the hill when you go past the shrine and go back into the woods to find the great fairy like it's just like a slideshow yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah so i think ultimately though this cart thing I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on... I think it's going to have a huge effect because, like, I am digital only on Sony because I have that option. Right. It doesn't really sound like it is an option without investing in a huge SD card, which, I don't know, maybe it's worth it, maybe it's not, but... 
I'm just thinking of on but the publisher in, developer side. Right, though. but in general, like if the game says it's seventy bucks instead of sixty, like no way. I think all it really means is that well, it ultimately could have an impact on third-party software because they do count like every dollar. Because yeah. you start talking to like GameStop or whatever, and their profit margin on a game is like four or five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, they can't lose five of that. That doesn't exist. The indie guys, I don't think are going to be affected all that much, and I think that's probably why you've seen indie really go all in on Switch. Most of them because can probably use digital. a small cart. Well, they don't. At they the can use least. a small cart yeah. if they have to, or they're just digital anyway. So right. But you start talking about the EAs and the companies who count on selling millions of copies of each one of its games, and you multiply that million by four or five dollars or whatever the surcharge is for the cart, that's five million dollars right there. Especially when it's something that you have to produce and you don't know if it will sell. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a bigger risk. So, Like if, if Switch already had this some crazy built-in audience because it was the Nintendo console and like a lot of people didn't have an option, yeah. then like, okay, maybe, maybe someone will eat that cost. But like when you're trying to build it, it's just, yeah, it's holding you back. Yep. All right, let's move along. Next we're going to talk about a rumor that's been swirling this week that there is a sequel to The Evil Within yeah. on the way. Brent, did you play the first Evil Within? I didn't, but it's one of the games that does the PS4 Pro boost mode. Yeah. And like if you watch the videos, like it used to kind of hover between 20 and 30 frames per second, yeah. and now it's like rock solid 30. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, All right, cool. Maybe this is time to check it out. I mean, if, I've only heard good things about it. It's, a, well, it's Mikami's game. Um, Mikami, last Resident Evil he made was Resident Evil 4, certified Stone Cold masterpiece, in my opinion. Um, I feel like he moved on, and, and Evil Within is good, and I would argue it's probably better than Resident Evil 6. But not 5? Mm, probably equal footing there, I'd say. Somewhere in there? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Kind of around where it falls. I will say it takes it scares more seriously. Um, you think it's a scarier game than Resident Evil was at the time? Definitely scarier than Resident Evil 6, without a doubt. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil 5 probably, again, about on the same, the same uh, level. But this game was a hit. Like It ended up selling really well. Um, it was marketed really well. I remember seeing billboards for Evil Within all around LA. <laughs> I've always thought it was a movie for yeah. the longest time. <laughs> like that kind of that kind of uh, poster looks a lot like a movie. No, it was Mikami's game. Yeah, and uh, Bethesda published this. Is that right? I believe so. I'm not sure. Which is why it probably got so much good promotion. Um, Bethesda's yeah, great at marketing, but. Uh, do you think there's room for another survival horror game at this point? Well, Resident Evil 7 kind of seems like it's a little bit unique. So this being kind of the mainstay, might there might be room for it because Resident Evil 7 didn't do this. But Resident, Resident Evil 7 also hasn't sold especially well. I remember when, they, when I first found out that Capcom had only shipped like a million, 1.5 or 2 million units for launch of Resident Evil 7, I was yeah. like, oh man, like, you're crazy, like, you're gonna, it's gonna be sold out and people are gonna be, free. no, like, it really didn't work, like, they were right, like, Brutal. the demand for Resident Evil 7 was not that great, so I'm just wondering if we're starting to see, I feel like survival horror, the niche has been filled by indie games, or, like Amnesia and stuff, Amnesia yeah. or Outlast, like Outlast 2, yeah. like, he just picked up a publisher, so it's not, like, uh, technically indie anymore, but I feel like that's kind of what's filling the void of these games now. And a lot of them you can buy for 15 bucks or 20 bucks instead of $60. Right. 
And with the middleware where it is and Unreal Engine where it is, like the fall off. They look pretty good. Yeah. Like there's really not a huge fall off anymore as far as production values are concerned. So. Especially when everything's dark anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like lighting is easy to do technology wise. Like it, it doesn't require art. It doesn't require um, art. It also, you know, the way the libraries are now, it doesn't take a lot of resources either for lighting because a lot of them are like it's built into the metal of the processors now. It's right. not something you have to kind of separately program for. So I'm just wondering if, uh, and you know Bethesda, man. Bethesda isn't happy if a game doesn't sell like four or five million copies. Like it places yeah. big bets. You know, it only releases a few games a year and it needs each one of those to do well. And again, the, the how first... Much did, well, how much did Evil Within one? I think it so. ended up selling like two to 2.5 million, something like that, which isn't gangbusters, but for it was a brand new IP. And you I mean, know, It also kind of depends on how much money they spent on it, yeah. making it and marketing it. Yeah, I mean, it was developed by uh, Mikami's Tango Studio, I think is the name of his uh, the studio he formed for, for this game. Yeah. Or Tango Works, I think it was, something like that. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. In Japan, it seems like a lot of the developers there aren't really, like, legitimate developers the way we look at them in the West. Like, a lot of times there are these, like, roving bands of, like, programmers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. They're like these programmers for hire who they bring in. Like from software used to do this with all of its games. Like it would just mm-hmm. had it was just like a programming group almost that would move around and sometimes get hired by other publishers to do stuff. And it's kind of weird. Like you've seen that with uh, Grasshopper Manufacturer, with the, which is Suda 51's development studio. It's not like this place where there's like 300 people working there 365 days a year. It's right. like a core group of like seven or eight dudes. When they get a new project, they staff up and bring in sort of freelance programmers to work on their projects with them. So I think the cost of development in Japan is a little cheaper because of this kind of modular right. development thing that they've been doing. But, uh, but the marketing's not. No. I, don't know. I mean, we marketing kind of a, is always going to And we have a skewed version of it because we live in L.A., so right. you, that all, that's going to... Ratio of stuff we see in LA is not necessarily the national ratio. Just no, it's true. We saw Evil Within posters everywhere. It doesn't mean anyone else. Does. Oh, it's just like we saw the Last Guardian stuff all over LA. Right, and I'm right. sure if I was back in my hometown in Pennsylvania, you didn't yeah. see anything <laughs> about the Last Guardian at all. You would have never even known it was released unless you walked into a GameStop. Yeah, you wouldn't even know it existed probably because the commu- the TV presence wasn't especially good either. So. I just wonder, um, but one thing I will say is that Bethesda kind of needs games like this in its catalog because it does kind of pigeonhole itself. Out a it's a little bit like Ubisoft in that like you almost know what every game's going to be like once you see the publisher's name on it. Right. I feel like Bethesda's starting to get that way a little bit. Um, so it does kind of need something to diversify its portfolio, so to speak. Um, but I, uh, I just wonder if it's going to ultimately be worth this while. If Resident Evil 7, which was a great game, have you played that yet? Huh. It's, it's too scary, man. It is, it? it is scary. I, I agree with you. At least the first half of it's really I'll, scary. I'll make my wife play it, and I'll just watch and hide <laughs> under the covers. It kind of settles into a groove like halfway through to where it's not so much scary anymore. But the first like six, seven hours of Resident Evil 7 are intense, man. If you played in VR, forget it. Forget about it. <laughs> Pass. And I mean, if that game with the reviews that it got and the reception and having VR function, if all of that couldn't translate into huge sales, like I just wonder if... The days pass. And I also wonder, too, if, you know... Well, the setting is not super different. I wonder, too, if, like, Last of Us 2, if people are just going to wait for that, which, who knows when that's coming. Maybe one of the last games ever released for PlayStation 4, I'm guessing. A couple years. Yeah, probably not till end of 2018 at the earliest, I'm guessing. 
Yeah, I'd buy that. Um, that's a long time to wait. Well, and they're still going to do extra stuff um, in between. Well, I think they said that they're done with a lot of that stuff. Like, they're passing off the Uncharted franchise. I think they said... No, I meant, like, they got the... the I can't remember the name of it, but with the girl characters, they got that coming out. And... Oh, right, right. Oh, wait, what are you talking... Oh, you mean the DLC for Uncharted yeah, 4? Yeah, yeah, they just oh, got yeah. more DLC. The Lost so. Odyssey. Yeah. But I think that's it. That's the last piece of DLC. And then that's they're it? Done they're not with... doing any more after yeah, that? Yeah, and then they're done with Uncharted. Period. For good. Think about that. I'm sure Sony's going to farm it out to somebody. I mean, my hope is that they do Last of Us 2 and they also have something else in the hopper. They should. I mean, they're a huge studio. Like, yeah. It shouldn't take them that long. Their tools are in place. It shouldn't take them that long to make each game. So, Well, they, they like, make a new engine every time. <laughs> yeah, why do they do that? They must love it. I, I don't, don't know, know if they'll do that with The Last of Us 2, though. I think they're probably building that. No, it's using the Uncharted engine. There's no way. And then they iterate on top of it and blah, blah, That's blah. So. But um, I don't know. I, I liked Evil Within, and I love Mikami. He's one of my favorite developers in the entire industry. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just don't know if it's a smart financial decision, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. So, All right, let's move on to Horizon Zero Dawn. We've talked about this game two weeks in a row, I think, on the show. Um, and I still haven't played it, and I feel terrible about this. But you have you finished Horizon Zero Dawn? I'm, like, right at the end. Okay. Um, so Matt had played both Horizon and Zelda, yeah. and you've played both Horizon and Zelda, so Matt says... Yeah, that I played like, like 20 hours of Horizon, and then Zelda came out, and then Zelda kind of took over. Okay, so Matt said that he likes Horizon more. Which one do you like more? Zelda, and, easily. And for what reason? Horizon's first, say, 10 or 15 hours is amazing. Like, every time you come across a new creature, there's like a new way to deal with it, you're like... All right, let me scan them. Like, they got those things on their backs. They do this kind of element. Like, you have to really think about it. And then mm -hmm. they're in new kind of groups of packs and stuff. But once you get to a certain stage, those guys become kind of rote. And then the bigger guys, uh, they all have the same strategy. Oh, really? They're all the same. Like, there's, like, the very end game big guy, which is a little bit different. But it's he's almost worse because um, it's just kind of, like shoot the glowing spots as opposed yeah. to there's actually a strat to like the t-rex and the bigger versions of the other guys there's a specific way to deal with them and it's the same for all yeah. of them as far as i can tell yeah i mean that's how i deal with all of them maybe there's something i'm missing but like i don't know i'm trying not to spoil it by yeah, just yeah. saying the strategy sure, but sure. like like the first time the t-rex shows up and you like figure out that strategy you're like holy shit i am a badass that was awesome but then, and the then next you're like, one, oh wait, I did I it again. Do this again. <laughs> and it's not just because it was another T Rex, it's just another big thing, and they have certain properties that you can exploit. Um, Don't you feel like Zelda's kind of the same way, though? Once you learn how to do the counters? Well, I mean, you said you played it for 60 hours. Like, I beat the game in 35. Like, I didn't overstay my welcome. Yeah. Like, does will it get road at some point? Probably. Yeah. Didn't for me. Yeah. I mean, I did 50 shrines or so, and. Uh, I did all the. I went and found all the memories. I liked all that traversal stuff, and mm -hmm. I did the, the four beasts or whatever. But I don't know. I didn't feel the need to go do every shrine. I'm right. not sure what else I was supposed to do other than all the other shrines. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of side missions and stuff like that. Oh, I, yeah, I don't care about them. Yeah, I don't really either. I mean, I got the. <laughs> I got the. If I solved them I on accident, or I knew I could just warp someplace and and like complete one yeah like get something i'm like oh yeah that guy back in kakariko village needed this so i can just easily yeah. warp there give it to him complete the quest and then come right back then i would do it otherwise well i mean i had the outfits i cared about like um i had the climbing outfit and i had the the, Stuff that makes a the ancient armor outfit yeah. like 
I don't know what, I, I mean, in, I guess the swimming stuff that you buy, like the things that you buy in the cities that had those, but I didn't know what else I needed beyond that. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine something they would hand me that I would care about. Yeah. So, but you still didn't answer my question though. Oh. Isn't Zelda kind of the same way with this combat and that there's pretty much one way to, t other than like the Guardians where you, I'm not going to, again, not going to spoil it. There's kind of okay. a special way to take them down, but for the most part, all the enemies the same in Zelda? Uh, yeah, but I'd say the 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 fighting is more action packed to me. Like it's okay. it's not necessarily the same button presses and stuff. You're not doing the same combos on them and stuff. But like in Horizon, when you get farther on, like if you don't sneak kill them, then you're dodging out of the way and you're shooting them, okay. or you're doing the thing I'm not talking about. Right. And like there's no other way to interact with these guys. I mean, gotcha. you can wail on them with your spear, I guess. That's not worth your time unless they're pretty small, or they're already downed by something else you did. Um, what about the stories? Because I thought the story in Zelda was not good at all. <laughs> what story? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Was I, the story in I Horizon you, not good enough to push you forward? The story in Horizon is pretty great. Is it? I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, the story is a lot of mystery, which is interesting to a certain point. But like 30 hours in, you're like, you need to just start telling me uh, stuff. So you feel like it takes way too long to reveal certain The problem things. is that it took a long time to reveal it. And then when it tells you, you're like... No shit. I assume that happened. What else you got? And, yeah. like, there's more stuff going on, but um, it was a reveal to the character of what happened a thousand years ago or whatever, but it was like, uh, duh, I can tell you what happened. Oh, the really? Mach the machines revolted. Duh. Like, <laughs> it didn't work out. Well, my big question <laughs> about the whole game is, like, why are the machines there? Where'd they come from? I think that's kind of the, the oh, they, big they explain conundrum. That. They explain like, that. Right that's away. kind of interesting. It's what I thought it was. Oh, Really? I wouldn't I mean, even have. Why, I don't even have any idea why that would be. Like, I, mean, I have no clue. Why they look like animals? Don't know. Just design decision, I guess, on the manufacturer's part. They never explain that. Not to me. No. That's a I mean, like, part of well, <laughs> the way they get energy is by consuming biomass, which is typically just grass or trees and stuff. Uh -huh. And then eventually they have a glitch where they're like, "Hey, I can consume humans." <laughs> <laughs> and like um, that, you know, that's, that's part of the problem. And then like they can self-replicate and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't need to look like an elk to eat grass. Right. Right. Yeah. They could be a block, really. It yeah. Doesn't it'd make be fine. Any just roll around as a big sphere. But I think that's the big conundrum to people: is like, where did they come from? The machines. Like, obviously, they, I mean, somebody had to build them. To and me, don't that, spoil it. Obviously. Yeah. Well, for Horizon, that's all just setting. It's more, Aloy's story is much more interesting, and the people she interact with are much more interesting. Um, so, like, the, the reveal of what happened long ago isn't really that big a deal, so much as her involvement in it. Oh, yeah. Um, so the story's better in Horizon. Well, I mean, it's better because Zelda doesn't have one, and I, that's not necessarily a mark against Zelda for me. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily want them to do a story. Like, I don't really? want the Mario game to have a story. Like, that's not what I play it for. I mean, would it be better with a good one? Sure. Would it be much worse if it had a bad one? Yes. Yeah. But see, I, I would argue that I do play Zelda for a story. And I agree with you with Mario. I don't particularly. But I, would, I wouldn't be offended if it was something better than Bowser took Peach to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't complain if it went a little farther than that. But I do play games like Zelda for the story. I mean, there's a reason people are comparing Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn. It's because they're very similar games. They're open world. See, I, th RPGs. I think that's a I think that's a false comparison. I, okay. I think that on the surface they are open world games that have bows, and that's where it stops. Like playing Horizon is much different than playing Zelda. And well, Horizon's a lot more like a shooter. Zelda's more like a hack and slash. 
I, I would have said Horizon's much more like Assassin's Creed. There's a lot of sneaking around oh, and really? stuff. That I mean, that is how you should interact with most of the enemies. And when it's not, it's this kind of puzzle of trying to figure out how to take them down. Oh, okay. I get, my criticism was that there weren't enough puzzles later in the game. I just figured it all out. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, but Horizon, like, I think all the... This is a weird thing to notice, but I think all the voice acting and stuff was really good. Yeah. Like, Aloy was good, but I think you expect the main character to at least be competently acted. I wasn't surprised about that. A lot of the NPCs you meet, you're like, that's totally a guy. That is amazing. Like, it's not just like, hey, will you go get this for right. me? It's like, they have their own shit going on, clearly. Uh-huh. And, like, you don't necessarily know what it is. They're just real people. The funny part is, is that was the last thing that I thought Guerrilla Games would do, <laughs> would be do good well. At, yeah. <laughs> I assumed that that was going to be part of Horizon that was going to come up short, like way short. Yep. That's hilarious that they've done such a good job on it. I mean, I got 15 or 20 hours in and it was like, Zelda's coming out. I need to plow through this shit if I'm going to finish it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to do the main story. Right. And then there's a side mission. I'm like, well, I'm going to do that one because that sounds kind of <laughs> cool. And uh-huh. I care about that guy. And then another yeah. one comes. I'm like, all right, I guess this is just what side missions are. It's stuff I care about. <laughs> so it's so good side missions. Yeah, I liked a lot of them. Wow. Some of them are like... Hey, these beasts are bothering our village. Go kill them. But like a lot of them are like, hey, these people stole my stuff. You go look into it. And it's like this is why we stole it. Can you help us with this? And you uh-huh. keep going on down. And so I'm still having problems. I'm having problems understanding why you like Zelda more. Cause it's just more fun. Really? What? In what way? Had Horizon ended at hour twenty, it'd be very, very up there. For so me. you think it overstays its welcome? Essentially, yeah. gotcha. So it kind of reveals everything. That's really good, and then it just starts just re- repeating it, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive game, and especially like later on, you'll come across these camps of bandits, and it's like, you kind of have to sneak kill them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can fight like 20 at once, but you're likely not going to win, yeah. and it takes a long time to sneak kill them all. <laughs> and so like after the 10th time you do that, you're like, jeez, man. Like One of them, I just ran through it, because I was like, I think this is a story mission, and there's a cutscene at the end. I'm just going to book it through here. And that totally worked. It worked. It triggered the cussing. Like, I was so happy with myself for, getting, for being able to skip that part. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, that sucks that I had skipped the game because I didn't want to do it. A four honors like that. Yeah. You can just run past everything. It's so crazy. <laughs> like, literally, there's levels where you start and they give you your waypoint and you just run past everything <laughs> and get to the waypoint and it triggers a cutscene and you You're completed done. the mission in like 15 <laughs> seconds. You're just like, really? You never run. thought somebody might do this? Like, it's pretty crazy. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Horizon is still, to me, a five-star game. It is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I just like Zelda split better. hairs, yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, to me, they're very different games. Um, it's not like which one is a better open-world game. Oh, I mean... Zelda is. Which one is a better game overall? Like, Horizon does a lot of shit that Zelda doesn't even touch. Like, story and, like, I think... Like, there are NPCs and stuff in Zelda, and occasionally, like, the the Zora Prince is fun to interact with, because... Is he? Well, like, the guy that always poses like he's in an action movie, like, that guy... It's so dumb, though. Well, I thought it was fun. At least it's a characterization. Most of them are just there. You're right. That's a good point. He's the only one who seems to have a personality. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then, like... Holy shit, does that game look good, man? Yeah. Like, this is when I got my PS4 Pro. I was like, well, I didn't really think this through. I need to get a game for it. So I got Horizon. I was like, wow, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think, it, I think it looks good on the regular PS4 too. Yeah, but, for sure. Man, it looks amazing for me. I mean, it's a, one of the best looking video games ever made. 
I don't think there's really any question about really, it. Really, it kind of killed PC gaming for me because, like, yeah. I'm at the stage where it's like it's start time to think about getting a new video card. I'm at that point too, actually. And I'm like, well, maybe I just won't play something. Like, unless some unless Half Life Three or some PC exclusive thing comes out that I have to play, like, yeah, I'm good with my PS4 Pro for now. Yeah, I uh, I haven't played enough of Horizon. Obviously, I played it at trade events a couple different times and I've only watched the opening cinema with the version that I actually have. Yeah. So I can't, I'm still not at the point where I can, I myself can say which one I think is a better game between it and Zelda. Did you play Far Cry Primal? Oh yeah. There's a lot of similarities with uh, Horizon and Far Cry I Primal. I like Far Cry Primal. I did too. I'm just, I think that's a better comparison than Zelda. Right? Really? Interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of... So yeah, I guess you're right, because it's all hunting, and there's hunting in Zelda, but it's just a way to get stuff so you can make health potions, basically. Yeah, and it's like all your... uh, Like, if you want to hold more ammo and stuff, all those upgrades are behind... like specific hunting. animals, it's like where can I find a fucking beaver? like primal? Where you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you have to get four of one animal to. Yeah, it is exactly make... that. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's funny see. the weapon upgrades though were just like merchant had it. I'll buy it. Yeah, it's, which is really funny because like when I finally like the last level of items are called are called shadow items, uh-huh. and like, um, I don't think I did anything particularly special. And I just talked to this merchant I'm like, hey, you have shadow items. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks. I guess I have the the. <laughs> The top tier weapons now. Thank yeah. you. But having, but now having sat in with discussions with two different people who have played both games, one who prefers one game and one who prefers the other, as someone who hasn't played Horizon, it you, seems... You will likely like Horizon better than you like Zelda. The things that bother you about Zelda, Horizon nails. It just seems like Horizon's the more... It just seems like it's the better game. It just seems like it, it does it's, everything very well. Let me say it this way. It's going to score higher on the sifted scale, no doubt. Yeah. Um, do I like it more? No. I mean, I like it a lot. Yeah. Zelda's... I've always loved Zelda games. And, like, as someone who's been continually shit on for liking Zelda... Like, by who? By Nintendo, by giving oh, me oh, shitty Zelda games. I thought you were talking about like, your friends. No, I'm not, I'm not super <laughs> unique by liking Zelda. I'm saying that like, they keep giving me shitty Zelda games. Yeah. And, um, like, you know, like, Twilight Princess is fine. Wind Waker, I wasn't one of those people that's amazed with it. Like, I love the art style and stuff, but Mm -hmm. the game didn't blow me away like Ocarina did or anything. And this is finally, like, this is Ocarina to me. This is another one of those where it's like, this is is great. I mean, I still wouldn't put it in the class with Ocarina of Time. Is that that game was just way too innovative? I don't know if in a game will ever. Time, sure. I don't know if any other game will ever come along that will the blue the lid off forward. like that. No. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like I'm not sure you even could. Yeah, I don't. I mean, think you're talking about like the original Half Life, like that kind of a move right. in in technology. Yeah. Technology and gameplay and stuff like All at once. Th- those moves might not be left. Yep, glad we were there to experience it though. Yeah, thank you for uh, providing another sort of juxtaposition on those two games. I yeah. think. Uh, I think we might be having this conversation at the end of the year as well when we start talking about Game of yeah. the Year stuff. I think those two games might be doing a vicious tangle towards the end of the year with a lot of publications as far yeah. as, like, goatee. So well, I, I, I think the publications are going to go Zelda. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've all given it perfect tens, for yeah. sure. I mean... Well, and Zelda has known problems with it. Horizon also has known problems with it, but I think the problems that are with Horizon are more systemic of it being an open-world game. And Zelda doesn't necessarily have those same problems. It just has other weird stuff like rain and stuff like that that, like, I don't know, you can kind of make a case for it's a simulation, so whatever. Yeah. Um, even if it's, you know, player aggressive, I guess. But Horizon does some stuff where you're like, 
come on guys, we've seen this mistake before. We yeah. wish you had fixed it. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's still an amazing game. I, I can't wait to play it. Still, I... still recommend it. Once I get through Mass Effect. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk about... Talking a lot about old Nintendo stuff in this episode <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason. We're going to talk about Factor 5, uh, a development studio that used to be revered as one of the best in the world. Not just like in, yeah. for one pla the, one of the best in the in world. Them. Yeah, when they when they announced they had Star Wars, it was a big deal. Well, well, yeah. Once they made the Star Wars game and it blew yeah. everybody away. Uh, so, for those of you who may not be familiar, because they have not been around for forever, Factor Five basically had the Star Wars license to create games on Nintendo platforms. So it made Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron Two, and then what was the third one called? Rogue Leader. Well, and then it also did like the there's a pod racing one or something. One they, of the I don't ones think from they the did prequels. the pod racing. No, it wasn't pod racing, but it was one of the prequel ones. Yeah. So they've they made a whole series of Star Wars games for, for Naboo or something. Yeah. Naboo, that was on N sixty four, I believe. Uh, but basically the whole GameCube era of Nintendo. Yeah. The Factor why you bought a GameCube was that. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, they made the best looking games on GameCube. This is a GameCube game, by the way. It is running on an emulator. Still so looks great. Yeah, but I mean, think about what was underneath all that blur was this. <laughs> like, think about it. Like, Factor 5 was making games that looked like this back in the GameCube era, which is amazing. And then, it was never... Factor 5 was never officially, like, a second-party Nintendo developer. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind about Factor 5 is it developed all the audio compression systems for... The N64 and the GameCube. I believe it was called Musix. M-U-S-U-Y-X or something like that. I never heard that. Yep, but their proprietary sound compression was ended up being a part of the dev kit for GameCube and eventually the N64. They kind of That's introduced cool. it later in the end. So they, while they were not technically a second-party developer for Nintendo, it operated like one. And in right. some ways, even more so. Because a lot of those second parties, even Rare... It's not like they were sharing their tech with like other second-party <laughs> right. developers. Yeah, they're shared keeping engines. it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, Factor Five actually was sharing the technology that it was de developing to develop games. And then when the GameCube tanked, and Factor Five was looking at moving into the next generation into HD development, it actually kind of saddled up with Sony. Yeah. And it created Lair, and. And if you go to the very front of that clip, Sam, there should be some Lair footage at the beginning. And Lair was this dragon riding game. Do you remember it? Yeah. It was a huge deal. Because, I remember it being a big deal like at E3 and stuff when they were talking about it. Oh, yeah, because, it, because Factor 5 had made games pretty much just for Nintendo and Star Wars. And all of a sudden, they're coming over and making a PS3 exclusive. Well, it's funny. You talk, you talk about Guerrilla Games always being, you know, kind of making the... Killzone games for Sony, and it's yeah. like, finally they got into their own with Horizon, and I think it was the same feel with this, where it's like, finally they can do what they want to do. That's exactly what this was. It's dragons. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was probably one of the worst games in the first, like, six months of the PlayStation 3's life. It was a hunk of junk. I still don't understand how... Factor 5 made this game after making so many... And it's the same thing. You're flying a dragon instead of a, a, an X-Wing. Like, <laughs> how could they not nail this? I don't Just get it. more, yeah. Well, it was, it was weird. Like, you could land, and then once you got on the ground, that's when it got really awkward. And that's where you could see Factor 5 was kind of out of its depth a little bit. Yeah. It's like, it's fine when you're just flying through the air shooting stuff. When you actually had to get on the ground and, like, create these ground controls, that's kind of where it got a little dicey. So... 
Lair ended up being a monumental failure. It reviewed poorly, it sold even worse, and literally, it basically killed Factor 5. But so, Factor 5 existed this entire time? It No, it didn't. It killed oh, okay, it. Okay, okay. This game killed it. It lost its <laughs> ass on this game. It's first ever HD game, keep in mind. I mean, it's first time it ever went into HD. This was the game, and the game killed the studio. Bummer. So, yeah, it is a bummer. So, here we are. How many years later? Almost 10 years later. Most people don't even know who Factor 5 is. And they used to yeah. be legendary. I mean, we put up this story on Sifted yesterday, and like, like nobody like even who? cared. Yeah. <laughs> but to people like us who have been in the industry for a long time, it's a huge deal that Factor 5 alleged, allegedly is coming back and making video games again. And apparently it's working on Switch. And it even mentioned that some of the older games may eventually come to the virtual console on Switch, which the licensing hoops to jump through there is... Yeah. I'd be shocked if that happens. But if they're creating a new game, does it matter, Brent? Does it even... I mean, because at this point, it's like the guy who is the founder, Julian Egebrecht, and he could probably rustle up a couple of the other guys who... But then it's like you're not really Factor 5 anymore. You're just... You're the just two, a company with that name. You're a co the company well, with that name, and the two dudes that founded it. But you don't have all the programmers and the artists, and all those people have moved on to do other stuff. Well, the article was saying that you know they have their old IP, like Turrican and, I guess, yeah. Lair. Yeah. But they're not gonna, <laughs> they don't have Star Wars, so no, it's like, uh -uh. I don't really care about either of those properties. I don't either. So, I mean, we'll see. Especially when it's Switch exclusive. Like, maybe they're just doing a side-scroller Turrican. Like, I don't know. Or maybe they're, they know where their bread's buttered, which is with the Nintendo audience. They know that uh, the Nintendo folks are the ones who will remember them more than anyone. But they... I could believe them trading on IP if they had any that people remembered, but... Like, if they owned Star Wars somehow, then I could believe that, but... I don't think most people know who the hell Factor 5 is. No, I don't think most either. people know who most development studios are. No, you're right. They'll know Rockstar... Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll know who Rockstar is, and they might know like, oh, Bethesda makes games. And you're like, yeah, that's I a guess. publisher. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But They're you're right. Say, most, like, most players do not know any the, developers. Right. They know the publishers. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, like, <laughs> yeah, you're talking. I mean, the people who know Factor Five, you're talking about the core of the core of the core, right. probably. Yeah. And they had to have been into games really hardcore for like 20 years. And even then, you still haven't thought about them for that amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, also, I was a little sad when they went away, but once they were gone, I wasn't like, oh, man, I really wish I was playing another Rogue Squadron game. Like, yeah. they had milked that franchise to death by the time... Three, they, three was a bit much. Yeah, the third one, like, yeah. And that's where they actually started. I think you could go on foot in the third one as well, which was a transition into Lair, ultimately. Yeah. And, uh... I think the on-foot stuff there sucked, too. Oh, yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely did. It did, so, uh... Oh, they're saying there was no on foot for the third Rogue Squadron game. Maybe I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of Star Fox. Sorry. <laughs> no, Star, yeah, Star Fox Assault yeah. was a Star Fox game that was actually made by Bandai Namco. And that whole game was on foot. No, wait, maybe there's a Landmaster. No, tank. not the like RPG one. There no, no, one no I'm not talking about land. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was one that was made, and there was like a multiplayer mode where you had like rocket launchers on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. The Star Fox Assault, I think it was called. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought there were still flying sections. 
I don't think so, man. I, it's not important. Or <laughs> no, there were, but they were like completely separate from the rest of the game. It wasn't yeah. all congruent. It's like now you're in space <laughs> in an R wing. It was like asteroids, basically. You're just like flying through asteroids. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah you're okay. right. There were. Yep. So, but it wasn't the focus of the game. The focus of the game was like down on land with like guns and all that yeah. stuff. So, so yeah, Factor Five uh, seems like they're back in name only. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll see in three years when they put something out. I don't even think it. I think they may go the indie route. I mean, well, then then it'll be a little bit sooner. But I'm still not like excited. I think your uh, side-scrolling Turrican idea might actually <laughs> might actually bear some fruit. So we'll I, see. I don't know. I've liked all the side-scroller Metroidvania stuff that's come out. Yeah, in the past couple of years, it. like apparently there's an appetite for it too. They're yeah. doing pretty well. Yeah, so. they all seem to sell pretty well enough that a lot of them get sequels or end up being released for multiple platforms or all platforms. So. Yeah. I could see it. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about the death of the PlayStation 3. It was announced this week that PlayStation 3 production has completely stopped, or is completely stopping in Japan in the very near future. Brent, what is your favorite PlayStation 3 memory? Ooh. Uh, the way that I acquired the PlayStation 3. Um, that? Oh, some of the game trailers people were at Best Buy buying, because we used to go buy the games for people to do. And... Um, they had a Wii, a Wii there, which was very hard to find at the time, so I bought it. Uh-huh. And I was like, sweet. And I came back, and our boss, John, was like, hey, I see you got a Wii there. Yeah. He said that one of his bosses had asked him to get him a Wii, and he didn't know how to get it. Oh. Uh. So the agreement was, I'll hand over the Wii, and then he'll buy me a, he'll re- refund me for that, and then he bought me a PS3. Whoa! That's the best deal so, ever! So I got a free PS3 that day for nothing. Talk about playing awesome. the corporate game. <laughs> I was very excited. <laughs> he invested three hundred dollars in to impress his boss. That's pretty hilarious. I, I'm sure it was worth a lot more it than probably, that. Probably, ultimately, it was worth way more than that. Um, yeah, and so like, and I have, I still have it. It's the backward compatible one. And so you like, have the the yeah, PS3 Fat, the original. Yeah. yeah, me too. I never did get any one of any of the updated models or anything. And it's kind of absurd now because it only has sixty gigabytes of storage <laughs> on it. It's pretty funny to think about. Uh, I, it still works. Yeah. I mean, it p- works perfect, actually. I just booted it up probably a month ago or whatever, did the firmware update, and the thing ran like the day I bought it. Um, definitely a solid-state piece of hardware. That Especially with its competition at the time that kept red-ringing and shit, and, like, I had five 360s. You could, you could kill like, somebody with the PlayStation 3, <laughs> yeah, the fine. original PlayStation 3. Yeah. I mean, that thing is like a hunk of electronics, man. It's heavy... Uh, it feels like a solid state. Like It's like the difference between, like, back before flat panels, a Sony TV and someone else's TV. It's like, you can pick yeah. up someone else's TV by yourself. Right. Sony TV, you had to have one of the boys come over to help you move that thing. Because it was just made better. Well, it fit the story that, like, the cell processor was, like, you know, it's outlawed because you can't even import it because it's so powerful. Because Saddam's trying to launch missiles with and, it. like, you always got the impression <laughs> that, like, you'd ask the concert pianist to play the piccolo or something yeah. it's like this thing's so powerful i don't even know why we're just asking it to do games yeah it's so powerful. <laughs> like you just had that uh that feel to it it was very cool yeah i you know i honestly don't have a lot of great memories with the playstation 3 though like i i hardly used it like i would use it for it's like a naughty dog machine yeah, when, when naughty dog like came out it was pretty rad i mean it was honestly kind of how nintendo consoles are now where you get right. it knowing you're gonna play first party stuff Mario. and maybe one rare like third-party exclusive that comes to it that's kind of how my ps3 was like uh 
I got all my multi-platform stuff for Xbox 360 because when it started out in that generation, like, multi-platform games were way better on Xbox 360 because of the cell processor, like... It was hard to make for it. Yeah, the develop they always ran with crappy frame rates, or, like, in the case, was it Skyrim, where it was just completely unplayable on PS3 for, like, the first <laughs> six months or something? Like... Yeah. And so once you, the thing is, like, once you kind of decide what your de facto console is, there's no going back after that. It's like after the first two years of buying everything on Xbox 360, I wasn't going to start suddenly buying everything on PS3 because I had already built that 360 library. Well, and, like, you know, this was the advent of online multiplayer stuff in a serious way, and all my friends had 360. Yeah, that's where that we makes played. a big difference. There's too. no way I was going to buy a PS3 version of a multiplayer game, ever. And that's one of my big gripes still about PlayStation 4 being the lead platform, is that people don't communicate on PlayStation platforms. Nobody has headsets. And, like, for a lot of games, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, like, a game like Ghost Recon Wildlands, it matters a lot, man. Like, yeah. you need to communicate with, like, your teammates and, like... That's one thing that bothers me. I don't know why that is. Why people on PlayStation platforms have just not adopted or adapted to talking online and, like, working with their teammates. I'm just always just... I'm like, I might as well be playing this by myself right now. Like, you might as well be a bot. So you, you think that the the people playing Wildlands on Xbox are going to talk more than the ones on oh, yeah. PlayStation? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. When okay. I played the beta on Xbox One, everybody had headsets. I, everybody I played with talked. And What did you play on? Xbox One. Oh, okay. In the beta, okay. I played Xbox One. And then, I, had, I haven't really even hardly played the PlayStation 4 version yet, but I play everything else on PlayStation 4, Overwatch and everything. No one ever says anything. It's just <laughs> dead silence. And the reason that is, is because Xbox One came with a headset. Like, I had to go find mine. Cause <laughs> Didn't the PlayStation come with like a... Did it come with an earbud? Yeah. Did it's, it? It's awful. I would never use it, but yeah. I think it's there. But uh, Xbox One actually came with like a headset that goes over your head and has like a little thing that comes down. I don't know, maybe that encouraged people to use it more. I don't know, but for whatever reason, on Xbox, people communicate. Yeah. On PlayStation, they don't. And it was even worse during the PlayStation 3 era. Like, because it didn't come with any type right. of headset. Xbox 360 did. And that set the precedent right there. And so my PlayStation 3, like, literally, it just sat there until the next first party game came out. And then I'd play it that first party game and it would just go back into hibernation for a while so yeah i never really established like a relationship with my playstation 3 like i feel the same exact way and i saw actually michael huber mention this um on huber hype this week uh, from easy allies he said that he never built a relationship with his wii u and i never did either like i never no. created this connection with it like i did with xbox 360 and like i already have with playstation 4 and I wonder if it's even possible to kind of build that relationship with more than one console per generation. Like, I don't even know if it's that is possible. I mean, of the... But I feel that way with my 3DS. That I've mean, taken it all over the world a different with kind me. It's a and... different kind of thing, though. I mean, of the, of the pairs of consoles released by Sony and Microsoft, I'd say the PS3 and the Xbox were the ones that uh, I played the most equal amount of time. Oh, really? Wow. I mean, I, I rarely open up the Xbox One. Oh, you mean pay, um, current generation, Xbox One and PS4, you're saying? Right, I rarely do that, but like back then, I think I played the PS3. I'm saying I played the PS3 more than I'm playing the Xbox One. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. It just took me a while to get that out. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I see, I definitely not for me. Like, I play Xbox One more than I played PS3 last generation. And okay. I, but see, I think a big part of that is the library. It's, I have literally just hundreds and hundreds of games 
at the click of a button on my Xbox One. Right. Because this backwards compatibility with Xbox One, all those games that you played before, you may not realize it. Go look at your library on Xbox yeah, One sometimes. There. They're all there. And you just click a button and they download and you can play them like don't right you, away. Don't you need to put in the disc though? Uh, for some of them you do, some of them you don't. Okay. But even just all the indie stuff that you've bought, all the stuff that you've downloaded through all the years, all the free games you've been getting for games with gold, there's just a huge freaking library there. And last generation, we didn't really have that with PS3 and Xbox 360. So. Right. But, yeah, I just don't really have much of a connection with my PS3 at all. Like, I uh, had some great times with it, but it was always like I'd get a game, I'd play it for a week, and then I would not touch the thing again until another Naughty Dog game came out or another Sony First Party game came out. I just didn't really have any exclusives. And uh, you also think back to the Xbox 360 Microsoft was smart enough to have all the marketing deals with Activision, so it was getting all the Call of Duty content early. Like, it, was, it just had no reason to play yeah. my PS3 unless an exclusive came out. So, I don't feel too bad about the PS3 being sent out to pasture. Uh, I, I do. Mean, res- I respect Sony over the PS3, though. Its because... child succeeded where it never could. Yeah. <laughs> so... I like to think that it's happy with its lineage. Yeah. I mean, I respect Sony for how it handled the PlayStation 3 because it really tanked out of the gate. Yeah. Like, it did terrible. And with the big price tag and everything, like, I admire that they just didn't throw in the towel like I feel like Nintendo did with the Wii U. I mean, look at that. Think about that. Yeah. The, just... the launch of the Wii U and the launch of the PS3 are very similar. Like, a lot of people thought the Wii U was too much money for the power that was in the machine, and people didn't want to pay extra money for this dumb tablet thing. People were like, I don't want to pay $600 for any console, particularly one where the games run worse right. than this other console, this way cheaper. There's parallels there between the Wii U and the PlayStation 3 um, and yeah. the way that they launched. And, but the difference was how they were handled post-launch. So Nintendo just basically gave up. Like, it stopped making software for its platform. It stopped working out deals with third-party publishers to try to get new games onto its platform. It just quit. Sony yeah. just doubled down, and it just went after it. It was like, okay, well, people can't work with the cell, but we're going to create libraries so they can. And so they did. And suddenly, the third-party stuff was on par with the stuff on Xbox 360. Sony didn't give up on his first-party stuff. It kept flooding the machine with great first-party games. And by the end of the generation, PlayStation had actually caught Xbox 360. And some people say actually ended up outselling Xbox really? 360. Yeah. So I think I admire the PlayStation 3 for that reason, that it came out of the gate really poorly. You know, you can blame that on Ken Kutaragi or whoever you want. But the fact of the matter is, is that once Sony found itself in this position, it didn't give up. It kept fighting, and it found a way to make it a success. And so I think a lot of people look at that and say, you know, maybe that's the reason why they bought a PlayStation 4. Because they're like, look, Sony didn't give up, you know? Yeah. You look at Nintendo, it's like it's kind of given up on its last two consoles in a row. Even the Wii, that sold so well. Its last two years, like, Nintendo is just like, meh. I mean, I, yeah. I think you can make a case that Switch is ripe for giving up on, like, once Mario and Zelda are out. I know. And like, What is there then? Yeah. A Metroid? Which I'm assuming we're going to see at E3 from, from Retro Studios. Like, I don't know. You, you think that's going to happen, or you're hoping it's going to happen? I'm... <clears throat> little of both. Okay. <laughs> but I, I don't know. If you're asking me if I know insider information... That no, no, no. I just meant, like, do you, do you expect it? Like, for I ex- real, you expect, I expect it to be there? I expect it, yes. Okay. I do, yeah. I hope um, you're right. 
But then there's three games, and then Smash, Smash Brothers, the Mario Kart. What happens to Mario Kart now? Because they're putting out Mario Kart 8 at the beginning of the generation, does Nintendo think that it can make Mario Kart 9? And that two years later, people are going to be like, yeah, okay. More of that. I don't know. They're not super different to begin with. I think Mario Kart 8 is a huge mistake because Mario Kart does move Nintendo hardware. Yeah. And so if you're going to put out something that's already available on another console that they will conceivably be able to buy for almost nothing in the next 12 months, now that Switch is out, I mean, you'll probably be able to get Wii U's for zilch and play the game that looks just as good on Wii U. You're losing that ability to move hardware with the new one if you just waited a year or two, like they usually do with Mario Kart. Well, I don't know if the Mario Kart would move something like a Switch that's primarily handhold, handheld anyway. Especially, like, after this year when people are like, no, don't, don't play it docked, all the games are worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? That's insane, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Think about that. I don't know, I'd be really... I, I really hope that they release, like, a patch for Zelda let's see, run 720 on the, on the docked version or something. You know, yeah. like, they've got to make it so that that's better. Um, and if that's the case, and you can, I don't, I don't, the Joy Cons are so small. I, yeah, I, I just don't see you actually playing Mario Kart with that. Either. Yeah, especially purpose. with the shoulder buttons, with power sliding and all that. Like, yeah. I mean, doesn't feel right. Yeah, you, there were like Wii games where you take the Wii Mote on the side, and like even that was a little rough. Yeah, it was and this is even smaller. I know. Yeah, I hated playing games like that too, where yeah. you turn the Wii Mote sideways. So, I wish we had taps on our TriCasters. We could play taps. <laughs> to bid farewell to the PlayStation 3. Um, but I honestly am not going to be all that sad that it's gone. I don't have a ton of great memories about it. In fact, a lot of the memories I have are bad ones, like how the analog sticks were screwed up on the DualShock 3, and it would <laughs> drop connection. It's kind of actually kind of like the Switch, actually, now that I think about it. It would drop connection, your character would just keep running in the last direction it was pointing. That's why it never happened to me. Oh, it did to me. I had to replace my two controllers I got at launch because both of them did it. So. All right. And, uh, yeah, and I just remember really crappy running third-party games. Like, literally, yeah. like, slideshows. Like, that's kind of my memories of PlayStation 3. Obviously, with a little bit of The Last of Us thrown in there and, and a great trilogy of Uncharted that was mixed in there. I mean, it, there were some great games for PS3, but uh, I just never built that camaraderie with it, that friendship with it, like I did with a lot of other consoles. So, sayonara, PlayStation 3. Let's move on. We're going to talk about Australia. Australia is the new Germany, as far as, like, video games are concerned. Although maybe Germany is still the old Germany. But it used to be back in the day, anytime there was a controversial game or a really violent game or a really sexualized game, Germany would always ban it. Yeah, I I actually spent some time in Germany, and, like, I remember the kid I was staying with, it was, like, a school exchange thing. Yeah. He was so excited because he just found a way to, like, pirate Doom. Uh. And, like... (laughs) This is like, I don't know, Quake 2 era? It was yeah. a long time past Doom being anything anyone cared about. Yeah. And I was like, great, man. Have you not played this? And he's yeah. like, no, you can't get this here. <laughs> Banned. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I think Germany may have loosened up a little bit, but I think it, that just that sickness just went right over to Australia because Australia has yeah. become now like the, com- the country that bans games. And Well, they added the new, like I think it's R19 rating. R18 plus, I think it is, or Something like R it's, like an R, it's like an R rating. Yeah, was the idea, but like these games aren't even qualifying for that. It seems like what's pushing the ones that I've seen over is drug use. They don't want that at all. Sex, sex and drug use. Yeah. So yeah. Hotline Miami Two was the first one, 
that it banned. And Hotline Miami too. There's drugs. I get it. You're running drugs. There's also it's kind PTA, of a weird like rapey thing. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. Like it is unsettling to play. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can understand why people who are, play that and be like, who are on guard or a little bit are like, well, this is it. I, I just imagine a ratings board playing Hotline Miami. Yeah, it's like yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but I know what it is when I see it. And yeah. that's one of those games when they see it, they're like, this is what I was talking about. So Hotline Miami Two, it definitely pushes the boundaries. I mean, that one I get. That one I. I mean, I still don't think it's right to censor it or ban a game. Period. I think you put the right age classification Yeah, you need some sort it. of, like, X rating or right. whatever that only 21-year-olds can buy. Right. Like, that's fine. Right. But that's not really what's happening there. No. And then the other one was Valkyrie Drive Bikuni, which is all about sex. Oh, okay. It's one of those Japanese, like... Simulator things? Pet the girls, the <laughs> hearts go up type games. Um, and now Outlast 2. And I'll just read you. Uh, basically what... Uh, what Australia uses as its parameters for deciding whether these games should be banned or not. Uh, and this is a direct quote from its documentation. Uh, games that depict, express, or otherwise deal with matters of sex, drug misuse, or addiction, crime, cruelty, violence, or revolting or abhorrent phenomena in such a way that they offend against the standards of morality, decency, and propriety Generally accepted by reasonable adults to the extent that they should not be classified. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's the definition of censorship. <laughs> if we think it's immoral, then you can't play it. Well, it's like last week we figured out what the Zelda bump was, which is a .8, by the way. We figured that out we, through scientific <laughs> method and plenty of experimentation. We figured out the Zelda bump is .8. This week we figured out what it takes to get a video game banned in Australia. Uh, which could be anything, really, is what it comes yeah, down to. Like, pretty, pretty broad. They've left that open so that they can ban any game without really providing any excuse whatsoever. Because what that just described described every damn video game that's been released since like 1991. I mean, did they get GTA 5? Like, did that pass? Uh, yeah, apparently it did. Okay. And I think there's a the reason they say specifically they banned Outlast 2. There's like a sexual assault or something that takes place in the okay. game. Okay. But I'm sure there are films released in Australia where there's sexual assault. Maybe not. I mean, they probably have CNN over there and heard our president talking about it. Like, and they're going to ban a video game for it? Like, that's crazy. I mean, it's just a weird rating system. It, it's not that it's... Their point would be that we're not banning it, we're just not classifying it as this R thing. It's like, well, then you need a bucket, you can throw all the other stuff in. Like... Make it hard to get or whatever, but it's weird to just... Ban it. Yeah. I mean, before this, they didn't even have the R rating. Right. I know. That's crazy. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think, uh, actually, it may have been Hotline Miami 2. One of those two games that were already banned actually changed something. No, it wasn't. Hotline Miami 2, they refused to change. Yeah, they said they told them to F off. Uh, Bikuni, I think they actually did change the stuff that Australia had problems with and then released it there. Yeah. Um... Outlast 2, I highly doubt that they're going to remove the content. I mean, the other problem becomes exactly how big of a market is Australia and is... I mean, it depends. If it's just like a particular assault scene, then you can maybe you can skip that. I don't know how easily it lists out, but... Yeah. If it's not a lot of work, then sure. I, I don't think they're going to be so holden to their artistic integrity that they're not willing to edit. Well, I think it's a cost-benefit analysis. You look right. at it, you're exactly. like, how big is the market in Australia... 
what what are the chances of our game selling X number of copies? What is the cost yeah. of us going to mm. be to create this alternate version of the game, to fix the game, and then, do, then compile it and spit out a different version of the game, and then get it into distribution? Is all that going to be worth it ultimately? I mean, it's likely worth it because and, other people do this typically. Right. And then do you want to sacrifice your artistic vision? That's probably the first thing we should have mentioned, actually, is like, are you willing to sacrifice your art for sales in Australia? Because that's really what it comes down to. I, I'm not sure the people that would have an artistic feeling about this are the ones making the decision. No, you're probably right. It's the publisher. And the publisher's going to say, hey, that's nice that you're an artist and all. Make the edits. Yeah, and they did just get a publisher, actually, for this game. Like, last week, I think it was. Um, this game looks terrifying, by the way. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Right now, you're hiding in pig slop, waiting for a silly serial killer to walk by. I, I'm really excited about Outlast, Outlast 2, by the way. I think this is going to... I think this is like... Is this one with the camera? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think this I is like... Instead of Evil Within, like, this is the game I'm excited to play. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I'm really excited for it, and I certainly will not be playing the Australian version of this game <laughs> if they ever make it. I'll be playing the U.S. version. You but... really need that sexual assault to spice up your Yeah, your yeah, exactly. <laughs> Touche. I, just... <laughs> I just think it's crazy in 2017 that there are games being banned at all. Like... There's a lot For of crazy anything. things about 2017. Yeah, there are. But still, it's crazy to me that there are games getting banned, like that there aren't just classification systems to put these games in so that people can show an ID and buy them if they want to. I it, mean, had Jack Thompson not been wildly inept, we might be in a similar situation. No, you're right. There's definitely something there that parents don't like kids playing violent games. Yeah, and yeah like, for sure. The common sense answer is then don't buy it for them. But like... That's not what was going to happen then. I mean, is porn allowed in Australia? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's watched on the internet because unless they have like a global filter like, like uh, China the UK or does Russia and stuff, yeah, then no, like you can't stop porn. Yeah, I guess if you're getting people access to the internet, then there's nothing you can do about it. No, unless you like, unless you selectively filter out domains, and even then, like, you just find something that's less heard of. Right. I'm just wondering, though, if if you can, like, buy it there. Like, if you go to a porn shop, if those even exist anymore, and, like, buy porn in Australia. Because if that's the case, then I mean, maybe that's some shady shit it, right there. I mean, it depends on how weird this rating system is. Because yeah. it's like, when people were pushing for bans of violent video games, you could still have bought... Uh, porn in shops, like, but they're the kind of people that were against that too, and they just already lost that battle. North Korea can stop porn. There's porn in Australia. We're seeing it in the chat. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Australian <laughs> users. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Asking for a friend. Someone said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just, I just think it's it's mind boggling that games are being banned, particularly games that are. Not overtly trying to be outrageous or offend. Like, look, there's tons of crappy indie games that go through Steam Greenlight where it's just like, hey, I'll make this a game in a day. I'll just make it as grotesque and offensive as possible to right. hopefully get someone to write a story about it so I sell 300 copies and make $1,000 for working today. Like, there's that stuff that happens. I get that. This is a, more of a polished piece of art, I would say, 
that that has some themes that push the envelope a little bit, and that just seems crazy to me that it wouldn't have a market in a country like Australia. Like, well, that's the thing. Like, how if you're the politicians making these decisions, like this is maybe three, four games a year that really fall under this umbrella. Like, yeah. it's not like commerce they're losing. Yeah. So they might just not care. Yeah. Particularly like these niche Japanese if games. If your constituents are upset about something and it's not going to cost you money, then it's gone. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So I'm interested to hear anyone's... Per and we have a lot of subscribers from Australia, by the way. So I'm just interested to hear their perspective on the Australian market there. But based upon what I know about it, I'm sorry that you have to play games <laughs> yeah. there. That sucks. Well, they'll, uh, they'll cost a lot more, too. Like, yeah. just shitty all the way around. It really is. So... Uh, feel, feel free to fill us in on the comments uh, of the show at the archive on the site and kind of give us a lowdown on what's going on over there. It just makes no sense to me. So, all right, let's move on. Our last topic of the show. We saved the best for last. We're going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda. Is it the best? See? <laughs> I don't know. Read the graphic. <laughs> don't believe the slight. There you, nice. That's what I wanted to hear. I can't believe... All the negative reports about this game that are out there right now. I uh, well, like the rock paper shotgun one. Um, he seemed a little off base. If like if you actually read the article, you're like, I don't know, man. It seems like you're overreacting. And then there's like gifs of uh, like GIFs. weird. You, you call it gif? The guy who created it calls it a gif. <laughs> That's what I'll call it. I have gif. It's peanut butter and it's spelled with a J. Gif just sounds stupid. I don't think it does. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> There are images. Chat. GIF or GIF? Don't even start that, man. I could just put live polls in the chat. That would be awesome. There are animated images showing, like, kind of crazy facial stuff. But, oh, like, yeah. as I understand it, like, that's... Uh, those are the outliers. Like, most of the time it's fine. No, here's the one thing I will say. The, that faces, is kind of are, the faces are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What a weird thing to mess up for Bioware. It is. It is. And they're bad. There's no doubt about it. Like, I was, I'm really disappointed with the faces in this game. But that's all I'm disappointed in in this game. Nice. That's it. That's what I want to hear, man. I am loving this game. How far are you in? Like, eight hours, nine okay. hours, something like that. I am loving it, man. I don't know where all this hate is coming from. Uh, I'm playing it on the base PS4. I put up the first hour of gameplay from it last night, uh, late night on the site. That's up now, right now for you guys. You can go, you can go watch it if you want to. Um, but I'm about eight hours into it, and I am freaking loving it, man. Like I don't get it. It is Mass Effect. Like it is everything that mass effect is and has been i you don't think the writing's bad no i've heard that from more than one source no not at all i don't think the writing's bad i think the voice work in this game is amazing man like some of the delivery the lines you can tell that they got some high profile talent to do the voice acting and there's nice. so many characters is it high profile talent like do you recognize i don't anyone? know or they're just i'm just saying they're just like they're it. just really good like okay. they're like you know a lot of times they'll give like uh in games they'll give like these big rousing speeches like the leader or whatever yeah. and you just sit there almost laughing at them like one of the speeches in this one actually like, yeah fuck yeah <laughs> all right yeah like let's get him oh yeah like i i don't know what people are talking about like people are saying it starts slow it doesn't start this is the start of the game right here <laughs> is that slow like i don't know what people are talking about brent like if you're freaking out over all these previews that are going on out there right now from Mass Effect, like, stop freaking out. I was a little bit. I'm super happy to hear I can understand it. I can totally understand why people would be doing that. Like, 
I, I honestly am, um, it's one of those cases where I'm like, are they playing the same game as me? Like, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to ever say that, but. Maybe they got an alpha. Yeah, but I, that's how I feel about it. Like, I'm having a blast. The gunplay is the best in the series yet. And I think, I realize that may turn off some people who like the more RPG angle of this and want it to feel a little more like Fallout, where. Yeah, it's closer to three. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely feels like a good third person shooter. The guns feel great. That's uh, nice. I've actually always liked Mass Effect Combat, so the uh, the auto aim is perfect. It's not so overbearing that it's aiming for you, but if you get close enough, like it'll zoom in on your headshot for you. That's cool. Um, the enemies aren't crazy bullet sponges. Like they seem to take a decent. I mean, it's a. You can say that about Mass Effect typically, though. Yeah. A lot of them took a lot of bullets. No, you're right, and at least so far. You're playing on like normal. Yeah, I'm playing it on normal. Um, and at least so far, the enemies seem to be felled about what you would expect with any third-person shooter. And obviously, the enemies are leveling with the, your gear right. and with your character and with your party members. So, Real quick, uh, for the difficulty, so for like the Dragon Ages, they have the easy version that's like, we're just going to walk through this game, man, have yeah. a good time. Is it that... Have you tried that at all? I have not tried the easy at all. I just started on normal and started playing. But there was two, I believe if I remember correctly, two difficulty settings above normal that you could use right at the beginning. Like, you don't have to unlock them or anything like that. Um, I always play on normal to kind of set the standard for our gaming vows and stuff like that. Um, It has not been exceedingly difficult. I think if I had one complaint, though, it it would be that the checkpoints and saving system is a little weird. Are they uncommon? Well, you can't save most of the time. Like, you, oh. like there are checkpoints that will auto-save for you, but you can't just, like, hit start and just save at any point. Like, you ha- there, have, there are certain moments in the game where it lets you save. Like, it'll let you save you're when you're... your ship or whatever, yeah. When you're back at the mothership. But when you're out in a mission, like, you can't because... There was one part, like, when I was recording this a few days ago, there's one part where, like, you get to a place where there's, like, a, an abandoned ship that had racked to your left, and you can go into the shipwreck and investigate. And then once you go in there and do everything you need to do, you come out and you get attacked, like ambushed. Mm-hmm. And the first time I got ambushed, like, I died. You had to do the whole thing again? I had to do, not only just go through that whole ship again, like, I got sent, like, way back before that. Uh. And had to fight to the ship, go through the ship again. And then I cut all that stuff out in the hangout that's posted on Sifted, so you don't have to sit there and watch me do it twice. But, yeah, so there's some quirks with, like, the save checkpoint system that I haven't been that happy about. But everything else, man, like, the game looks great. Minus the... I mean, this is this is base PS4 footage? This is base PS4 footage. Great. Yeah. At 720p, mind you. This is, you're looking at this in 720p right now. Oh. Well, this is not even 1080p. Okay. It, the game looks amazing. And there are... There's a couple frame rate hitches here and there on base PS4. Okay. I'm not going to lie. There's a couple times where it bogs down a little bit. Um, but it's one of the best-looking base PS4 games I've ever played, without a doubt. Um, the armor... Play Horizon. What? Play Horizon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I realize it probably looks better. But this game looks really it's freaking still, good, yeah, man. That's like, fair. This still looks really good. Like, you can look at them through their masks, and you can see sweat, like, going down their faces from having the masks on. That's and, like, cool. there's all kinds of cool little detail in the armors, and, like, the characters have, the, have scarring, and the art is great. I mean, look at this, dude. Yeah, like, this is a really cool-looking area. It, the... Everything I've played of this game has looked like this so far. I, I'm loving it, man. I don't know what these people are talking about. I can't wait to leave here to go play more. Like It's funny. Part of me is very excited, and I want to love it, too. Part of me ha- hopes that I kind of hate it, and then come back and right. <laughs> tell you how, how you're wrong. <laughs> I get it. But uh, 
I've been having a blast with it, man. Like, the guns feel great. Uh, as far as, like, I guess I'm going to just run through some of the notes that I took down here to make sure I kind of mentioned everything I wanted to. Um, oh, I did have one crash. So I stopped oh, playing really? it, went out and had dinner last night, and came back and went to wake it up out of hibernation, and the game had just frozen. Yeah. And uh, I Are had... Are you playing retail? Yep. Okay, so if well, I'm a, playing digital. It's digital code. They didn't send me. Publishers never send. I just, send, I just like, know, like, if there's a anymore. if there's a day one patch or something, would you? I think the it? day one patch has already been applied. Actually, yeah, okay. but it did. It froze, and I came back, and it wasn't like the game had frozen altogether. My character just would not move. Okay. Like everybody else like around was still freeze. moving around, my character just refused to move, and no matter what I did, he would not move until I basically left the game and came back in, and then it was fine. Have you unhibernated since and been fine, or is it? Uh, just... Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I had yeah, I had done it several times where I had left it alone and then come back and woke it up and it worked okay. But for whatever reason, it, it had that problem. Uh, it's very cinema heavy. There are, I mean, that's nothing out of the ordinary for for Mass Effect, yeah. but. Like, the first handful of hours, you sit and watch a lot of cinemas. Um, it'll be kind of like you'll play for 10 or 15 minutes, sit and watch 10-minute cinema, play. How's the UI? That's something Mass Effect's always been kind of shitty at. It's a wheel for everything, pretty much. Like, for okay. the conversation trees, you use a wheel and select... Um, I was like, do you have to do like crazy inventory management or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you're looting a lot. So yeah. there, every, okay. like, there's, uh, you don't necessarily get that much loot from killing enemies, although you do get some depending on what they were armed with. But there's just like loot boxes all over the place that you just pick up stuff from. And I already have like a massive collection of crap. And so, but is there like a max that you have to drop stuff to keep under? Like, is there? A... There's no encumbrance if that's what you're asking. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. which I hate. <laughs> Believe just, me, if I'm this game had encumbrance, I would be <laughs> complaining about it. Okay. That would be one of the first things I mentioned. So, But yeah, I don't know if you noticed right there when I scoped in on that guy through the fire, how it completely like changed. Like He was all blurry from the heat off the fire. Like yeah. This game has all these cool little graphical touches in it. and I mean, I can't even imagine what it looks like in 4K. I can't even imagine. Like It looks so good just running on my PlayStation 4. My base PlayStation 4, by the way. Uh, let's see, you got, how much of the story do you want to know? Do you know anything about the story? I mean, I know generally that you're a Pathfinder that's going to a new galaxy. That's all I know. Well, you're not, at first you're not the Pathfinder. Well, of course not. You're just some person. Right. And I guarantee you, you didn't expect to be the Pathfinder. <laughs> right. But you're going to do the job as best as you can. Well, you decide on how you <laughs> want to approach that. You can okay. say, oh, I'm going to do the best I can, or I don't want to do it, like that type of thing. But uh, Oh, man, I hope like a secret ending is, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And you just go back Quit. to your life as a, <laughs> as a, nothing. As a farmer or whatever. <laughs> it's like someone else can be the Pathfinder. No, thank you. Yeah, so you're, <laughs> you're a part of this massive ship that is going towards the Andromeda universe. You've left the Milky Way. You're the farthest yeah, away from earth as any people have ever been you get to the andromeda to andromeda and do they go into why you left the galaxy yeah do they you... had already colonized mars and they needed to because of resources and so wait you left your ship did it leave before the events of mass effect I don't know. That's a, One, good two, three? that's a good question actually like i guess my question is it are, probably these, did are these people hybrid plants like hybrid plants <laughs> the, you remember that, like, one of the endings of Mass Effect 3 where everyone, like, turns into, like, a 
digital plant thing. Oh, that's right, that's right. I'm like, did oh, yeah. that happen here? Or so like... the game starts, and you've been in stasis for 600 years. Okay, so maybe this is, you were asleep during Mass Effect. That actually makes sense. Yeah. You were in stasis for 600 years, and they wake you up, basically, because you'd finally gotten to Andromeda, which was where you are trying to head all along. And they wake you up out of stasis. You're, like, really groggy. They're, like, step to it. Like, literally, you've been sleeping for 600 years, and they're, like, go. Like, go <laughs> fight stuff. Like, uh, and then you have a sister who is also in stasis. She does not wake up from her stasis correctly. I'm not going to say why or explain anything else about that. Um, and you go out and you start. You go to your first planet, essentially, to do recon. Because you came 600 years to get yeah, to this place. Might as well. So you come across your first planet, and you get down to the surface to try to figure out what's going on. And that was the footage that you were seeing. So you chose the dude. I did. I always okay. do. Yeah. And I always try to make the dude look as close to me as possible. And uh, character creation tool in this is not great. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe you could sit there and spend hours and hours trying to make something close, but you can see my guy doesn't really look anything like me, and I, I tried to well, make it so. Yeah, we were talking about this in the comments about the character creators. Like, I'm not sure I've ever made an attractive person yeah. with the Bioware character creator. Like, it's hard, the more yeah. I futz with it, just the more like inbred and retarded they look. Yeah. Like, God damn it. So I just end up going with one of the base faces, typically. Yeah, I, well, I, at first I started messing around with the face, and I'm like, you know what, that looks pretty close to me already, so I'm just going to stick with it. This so, guy's handsome, let's do it. Yeah, but it basically has the same character creation tools as prior games. It gives you okay. the same options. Uh, there's like eight haircuts to choose from, so finding someone that <laughs> looks like you. That's so I, many. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully bald is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Well, I was yeah. probably going to play the girl. I really enjoyed playing... Uh, Femship and oh, really? Mass Effect. I've never played it as a girl. I always played. Well, as a guy. she's a the voice actress that did her was amazing. Yeah, it was a. I, don't know, I liked it a lot. I always play as a dude in games. I don't know why. Don't judge. I kind of alternate. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I always play as guys. I don't know why. Well, it a lot of it depends on how my capacity for dress up in that game. Yeah. Because I have a lot more fun dressing up girls because I think they look better in more in different variety outfits. of clothing. I get that. Like they can pull off men's clothes and women's clothes. Yeah. Guys will only look good in guys' clothes. I get that. That makes actually makes perfect sense to me. Um, so the whole objective is you're trying to find a place for humans to survive, and yeah. you're one of many ships. And so Are you all one these... of many pathfinders. I've only met one, just you so just far. You? I haven't okay. met another pathfinder. So. But you're just one of many ships, so there are tens of thousands of humans who are all asleep on these ships, and some of them have been lost. You don't know what happened to them. But you can't wake them up until they have a place to live. So the objective okay. is to find a suitable place for everyone to live so that you can then wake everyone up from stasis so they can then populate the planet, start another society, and then all the people from Mil Milky Way, Mars, whatever, can start coming to Andromeda. Okay. So that's sort of the goal. And I don't want to spoil any more of the story other than, than that. Um, let's see, leveling up. So you can level up your teammates. Um, they have five different categories that you can level them up. Pretty standard fare. Same stuff. Yeah, they're all just different attacks or buffs or whatever. Um, as far as your main character, um, there are basically three different skills. There's combat, biotics, and tech. And okay. then with, with, within each of those <clears throat> skills, there's 12 different options that you can level up. Okay, I was about to say, like, just three? I feel like there's a lot more before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's three 36. skills, and then with okay. 12... There's Yeah, so there's three different skill types, and then... 12 disciplines within those skill types. Okay. Um, and then you can, you can uh, key map three at a time for each one of those for easy access as you play. Okay. 
Um, and the, uh, the leveling up so far has been great. Like, I can immediately see a difference. There's really cool team-up attacks. Like, um, one of the attacks my guy has is, like, a, basically, like, a sonic punch. And it was crazy. Like, the AI of your teammates is really good because I was running up to an enemy to melee the enemy, and my partner froze him right before I punched him. <laughs> Literally. Shattered. Right before I punched him, she shot it. He turned to ice, and I delivered the punch, and it just shattered into, yeah, like, ice great. shards. Like, and you think that was an AI choice and not just coincidence? I had never seen her freeze an enemy okay. the whole time. So I don't know if she's just like, well, maybe it's, it's uh, governed by how close you are to an enemy. Still. And it's like, oh, if you're in close proximity, then I'm going to freeze him for you. But still, Worked out. it was freaking awesome. Like, I've had all kinds of little moments like that playing the game. Um, the traversal feels great. The running's good. The walking is a little awkward. They've created kind of this momentum-based system. So you let off the, the stick, your character will still take... Like, I don't like that. Like, two or three steps, like, yeah. sometimes. Um, but the running and the, the jump jets feel great. The jump jets are, like, lightning fast. Um, he will grapple very quickly under the edges of stuff. You never feel like you're frustrated. Like, I, that's one thing I didn't like about Zelda, personally, is there was no, like, clambering system, like, for the edges of, like, anything. It was, like, either... What? Yes, there is. What do you mean? Well, you can Zelda? climb, but there's no, like, you if can't... You, or if you are jumping while climbing and you get to an edge, he'll just climb up. Yeah, but it's very awkward. It's like he, there's no real, like, animation of him getting up over the edge. He just kind of, like... <laughs> He climbs to the top and he just like kind of pops up onto it. And like when you're gliding with his glider and you land like at the top of a wall, oh yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see there's half on it. Yeah, okay. it doesn't like this game is made to accommodate for that kind of, that type of stuff. So, okay. uh, so I feel like the traversal is really good. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know where these people are coming from. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, most of the complaints I've seen have been from the first five or six hours of the game, and I've played the first. Five plus, so... Well, they're in this weird situation where I think a lot of the stuff I've seen is that they said that the beginning of the game is, like, it's a little bit weak, but it gets better, but they can't talk about that because the uh, embargo wasn't up yet. But look, as a journalist, if you... If they say, look, you can only talk about the first five hours of the game, and you play the first five hours, and you're like, oh, it starts slow, which I don't agree with at all, but say that's your, your okay. impression. Say it and then you play later on, and it gets better... When you talk about those first five hours, you don't poison the well. You don't put out there, like, right. this game is slow, it's boring. <laughs> you just don't say it at all, because you know that eventually it gets really good. So You need those, those clicks. I man. mean, maybe that's part of it. I hate, I to, I hate to ever say that. But, yeah. uh, but I, uh, I'm loving it, man. I, that's great. It's, I love third-person shooters. The cover system is kind of automatic. There's not like a button that you push to take cover. If you're just near it. You if crash. your weapon's drawn and you get near an object, they'll automatically take cover for okay. you. Which, it seems to work fine. There was a couple times where I was in battles and I uh, tried to run up to a piece of cover that was like borderline tall enough for me to get behind and he just stood there and I just got slaughtered. So, <laughs> it's not perfect. Like, I would like the ability to manually like take cover if I, if I had it, but for the most part, the context-sensitive uh, method that they have there works fine. So, I don't know, man. I uh, I wish I hadn't read all that, a lot of the stuff, but I have to with what I do. It's right. like I see all these stories. And a lot of the headlines were like, game starts really slow, <laughs> game really boring. I couldn't avoid them. 
And so, I, you know, I have to admit that, you know, my I was a little less excited to start this game than I probably should have been. I was yeah. like, oh, wow. It's like, I have to slog through the first, like, five hours. No, not at all. I so thought it your, got off to a running start. Is this your game of the year so oh, far? Oh, well, it's way too early to talk about that. <laughs> way too early. Game, game of the quarter? I'm just saying, everybody freaking out, stop. Stop yeah. freaking okay. out. Like, don't, don't get all freaked out about this game not being good. Like... The other thing, too, is when I was reading all this stuff, I'm like, it's Bioware. Could Bioware go yeah, how from bad being could it really be? Yeah. great to being terrible? Like, and I get, like, Dragon Age, Inquisition is a polarizing game, and it got some people gave it great reviews, and some people gave it really low reviews, and yeah. people argue both sides. But, I mean, you, it's still not a bad game. No, no. Like, it, people may have, take issue with some of its design decisions, but it's not a bad game. Um, and so when people are starting to insinuate that this game would be in some way bad, like, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. So, if you guys are freaking out about Mass Effect Andromeda right now, and you're second guessing your pre-order for Tuesday or whatever, I think I think you're safe. I think you're good. So, awesome. uh, embargo is up. Too Monday? early. Too early for me. I'm not going to get yeah. it done. I'm not going to hit embargo. There's just at least I don't think so. I mean, based upon prior Mass Effect games and where I'm at, like I probably have. It's going to be pretty long, probably. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll play all the rest of the day today, and I will play all day tomorrow, and I still don't think I'll be close to the end. So, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to hit embargo, um, but I'll try to get as close to it as possible. Um, I think the embargo is Monday at, like, 3 a.m. Eastern, so Monday at, like, midnight or something. So, anyway. That's, that's when you need it done. Yep. Start playing now and don't stop. I, I'm not going to be able to do it. <laughs> I mean, it takes me like two hours to write an eval somewhere around there. Um, it depends on the time of night. Sometimes I finish games at like two in the morning and I'm like, oh, should I start writing this thing right now? <laughs> Sometimes I do, believe it or not. It's a very lonely place. <laughs> it really Four is. Four in the morning is yeah. a very lonely Four place. Four in the morning, yeah. writing a video game review is a lonely place, let me tell you. You feel like you're the only person in the world and you're like, why am I doing this? This game looks like a 7.8 from Potty on our chat. We'll Real. see. We'll see. Uh, all right. So that's it for our regular topics. We're going to move on to our trailer of the week. Um, we probably would have chosen Sonic's gameplay trailer this week, um, but we wanted to talk about it a little bit. So we had to choose something else. And otherwise, there's a pretty light week for trailers. Um, but there's one game that we've shown you actually, I believe, one other time on Game Face as our trailer of the week. It's called The Surge. Have you been tracking this game at all? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a Dark Souls like. I mean, <laughs> that's, why I asked you. that's why I asked you. And it is. It's uh, a lot of people are describing it as Dark Souls with robots, which is kind of fair. Kind of is what it is. I'm on board. Yep. But this is actually a CG trailer. I believe it's coming out like May 16th, so not long to wait. In fact, I think once you finish the Dark Souls 3 DLC, this game will be coming out like right after that, pretty much. So the the if timing I, of the get my disc back, yeah. I will play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, get your questions in now for in the chat for Brent and I. Uh, this is The Surge, Stronger, Faster, Tougher. Creo, you know who we are, or at least you think you do. Creo is one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer and industrial products, but we're so much more. Creo's not just a company, it's a way of life. Here you're not just seeing anybody, you're somebody. Somebody special. Hmm. 
At Creo, we have your well-being at heart, and that includes body and mind. Of our rigs, we've made you stronger, faster, tougher. So welcome to your new life as part of the Creo family. There you have it, the surge. Yep. So I'm, I'm saying that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying fifty-fifty. That game's going to be good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the if it if it just lifts Dark Souls combat out, like that's really good. It's not easy to get that right, though. No, and like those guys are great at it, but you can do it. Yeah, I don't know. It, there's actually a whole lot of media for it out. There is. If you yeah. check it out, they've been um, promoting the hell out of it. There's a there's a pretty robust crafting system and stuff. Yeah. Like if that's fun as opposed to in your way, then yeah, the other stuff might be pretty cool. Yep, we'll see. All right, let's see what questions you guys got for us today on our Saturday afternoon. Um, let's see. From Marat Yilma. Shane, what did you do with Matt? <laughs> he's, he's just under the table. He I disagreed too I much. I stuffed him in the mini fridge. <laughs> now, he, uh, if you missed the beginning of the show, I, I mentioned it, but he has uh, some personal things he's working through right now, and he wasn't able to make it today. So he should be back next week, though. Um, and I'll let him share with you what's going on. It's not uh, my place to say. Um, I'm from Unfashionable. Have you had an early impression about Mass Effect from Matt? Matt has not played uh, Mass Effect yet. He doesn't have uh, access to the code, unfortunately. Justin Horman, are there any games that have released this generation that went mostly ignored, but you think will become known as underappreciated gems later on down the line? Hmm... I think that we just saw one. <laughs> that game is, is yeah. a candidate for something like that, for sure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, especially this year, where there's already so much great stuff. Like, if we have a good fall, then there's probably going to be a lot of stuff that oh, gets... near Automata, I think, is going to be one. I think that yeah, game is going right. to sell really <laughs> awful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hovering at, like, a 9 Metacritic. I hate to say it, but I just think it'll probably end up selling a million worldwide or something like that. When does Persona 5 come out? In like a month, not even a month. Uh, yeah, that might get. That game will sell. It'll sell. Well, it, it doesn't have a ton to compete with at that time either. I think most people would be done with Mass Effect and stuff. Yeah, I'm supposed to get. Actually, I'm supposed to get code for Persona Five in the next couple days. So it's super early. I mean, I guess it's nice. It's a huge it's game. It's a huge game. Yeah. Another huge game. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think Neo. I think we already seen actually with Neo because Neo is opening month came in ninth on MPD. And yeah. that's not good. And near, I'm guessing, is probably going to do about the same thing. So, yeah, I would say just right now, two games that just came out. Neo from Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo and Nier Automata from Platinum and uh, Square Enix. I think both of those games are in danger of not performing up to what they should based upon their quality. So, I mean, Neo is always going to be... I would have said both are kind of niche games. Why? We'll see. 
Well, I mean, Neo because it's hard as shit. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm good at Dark Souls. Yeah. And Neo is still hard as balls. Yeah. Um, Near's super weird RPG. Like, there's a lot of those, but I don't know how. I mean, is it really any different than like Mass Effect or whatever? Like, I mean, it's less relatable because you're like an android in a crazy world. Like, I guess. I mean, you just saw Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm not. I'm not trying to take shots at the game. I'm sure it's great. I'm just saying that. Like, I'm just wondering why you think it's less. Because I don't think JRPGs sell as well. I just don't think it looks like a JRPG though. It just I'm looks sorry, like an action game. It is a Japanese-made RPG. Yeah. Not necessarily. Well, no. A technically, JRPG. it is a JRPG. That's what I'm saying. But I don't think it looks like it's made in Japan, though. I don't think it gives off that vibe. It just looks like a sci-fi RPG to me. I don't know. It's not all like chibi out. It they, doesn't they, have like, like anime-looking stuff. Like... Android with a skirt and stuff. Like <laughs> a, little, a little bit. I guess. Uh... I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying those don't typically sell as much. Um. Let's see. Uh, Cheater Hater, you talked about 2D Sonic with polygonal graphics. Isn't that what the classic Sonic segments and generations and confirmed to be in this game are? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it'll switch back and forth, I guess. Yeah, I guess, it, I mean, I don't know if it's been confirmed for this game. I haven't read that, but, uh, I mean, a lot of people consider Generations the best 3D Sonic game ever. Yeah. Um, and I would probably agree with that. I mean, it's probably the best one I've played. I still didn't love it. Um, but it was better than a lot of the other ones, so I guess I could agree that it was the best ever. Um, I've not seen any information about it, uh, about Sonic Forces, that confirms that that's what they're going to be doing with this game. But if that is the case, that would be nice. But what I was talking about is an entire game played from the side perspective with polygonal graphics, not just, like, interludes. And if you remember in Generations, the side-scrolling stuff, probably, when you ultimately add it up, probably amounted to, like, 25% of the game, maybe. Yeah. It wasn't a big part of the game. Um, and, again, I'm looking for something that the whole game is, is side-scrolling. And maybe the 25%, you actually go into 3D and kind of flip the script there a little bit. So, uh, let's see what else. Uh, the stand user, we already talked about our impressions of Sonic uh, Forces earlier in the show. So, you have to watch the archive. Show up on time. Sorry, man. brah. Uh, he's in Japan, so it's understandable. <laughs> it's no excuse. <laughs> uh, Nolan Elric, do you think the new Mass Effect will be the Arkham Origins of the series? Does it feel more like imperson- impersonation than inspiration? I like that question. We uh, always get good questions. Our, the yeah. people on our stream are great. Like They always ask great questions. Um, man, that's a tough one to answer. Does it seem, I guess really what he's asking is, does it seem uninspired? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could maybe lodge that complaint at it. It does feel very samey, I guess, if you've played a lot of Mass Effect already. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing, though. Uh, the combat, to me, feels better. I think it's probably the best gunplay that I've ever experienced in a Mass Effect. And hands down, the best traversal I've ever experienced in Mass Effect. I love the jump jets. I feel like they're integrated really well. Um, if the Reapers turn out to be behind the the bad guy in the first one, and then we progressively have to deal with them more, then yeah, that, then yeah. I'll give you that. But yeah, I'm not sure we know yet. Yeah, I don't know yet. Um, but uh, I mean, it's look, it's a completely different setting. It's a completely different group of people. The other thing I would say too is that I like the people in the game way better than the people from prior Mass Effect games. Really? And they're That's a, good. it's a little bit like buddy movie. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of have, like, the stereotypes of people on your team. But I feel like they're a lot more relatable. And they don't seem like they're stuck in this weird 
kind of universe. Like, they feel like they could be around us today. Like, they're not using, like, modern colloquialisms. They're not saying, like, not and stuff like that. <laughs> like, they're not ruining themselves like, uh, like Disney has by including, like, stupid catchphrases in it, stuff that's supposed to be timeless. Uh, but you do, I do feel a little closer, a little more relatable to a lot of the people in the party. Um, okay. Yeah, so I guess that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, maybe a little bit un uninspired, but it's a completely different setting, which makes a big difference. Completely different people, different plot line. Um, different mothership. Uh, so all the people that you deal with on the mothership, they're all different. Um, lots of different races that you've never seen before. So obviously lots that are returning as well. Um, so I wouldn't say it's any more guilty of that than any of the other Mass Effect games. And I would say probably less guilty of that because it has changed how the game plays so much. Okay. Uh, here's a good one from Killzone310. Have you ever played any games where you like the DLC more than the base game? I, the DLC for The Last of Us is really good. It is, yeah. I don't know if I like it more than the base game, but like it's one of those cases where it's like... It explores <clears throat> things that weren't explored in the base game, though. Yeah. Like, very interesting things that I won't spoil, so... But I don't know. The Last of Us was a pretty damn good base and game. The Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time, <laughs> yeah. so it's like... Not... Yeah. That would be some kick-ass DLC. But it's DLC. one of those, like, when you say good DLC, that's immediately what I think of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Mario Kart 8's DLC better than the base <laughs> game. I played that game more after I owned it as the DLC came out. So that's one game. I think there's tons. I mean, is there any, like, what about, like, like uh, any Dark Souls DLC that you like better? The Blood... <sighs> A lot of their DLCs are really good. That's the why Dark I asked. Souls I One that. DLC is very good. The Bloodborne DLC that I'm playing right now is really good. Yeah. Um, uh, people weren't so hot on the Dark Souls Three DLC. I mean, I liked it, but critically, I don't think it's doing as well. We'll see how the the DLC that's coming out is the end of Dark Souls. Right. Period. That's so it. there might be a lot of story. What if like the stuff. whole world just implodes or something crazy happens at the I mean, end? Have you seen the screenshots? It kind of already did. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, they've been putting out trailers for stuff as well. I've been watching a bunch of those, even though I'm not a huge fan of that I haven't series. Watched, I haven't watched anything. Oh, really? I'm blackout. Yeah. I honestly do not play a ton of DLC, to be honest with you. I, uh, yeah. If it's in a multiplayer game I play, I play a lot of it. Like Whenever I used to play Call of Duty all the time, I got all the DLC for that. I play all the way through it. Um, like I said, for Mario Kart, a competitive game, I get all the tracks and the new characters. But story-based games, I do not play a ton of DLC. Maybe the, the Ballad of Gay Tony and like the stuff. I played most GTA, of that. Stuff. But I haven't played hardly... Well, they haven't really put out any story DLC for GTA, GTA V. Or I, no, I would have. such you know? a bummer. It I'm a bummer. so waiting for that. I don't think it's ever coming It's either. like, I want to deal with anyone that's not Trevor. Like, I'm so yeah. excited about this DLC. Yeah, and yeah. It just never came. <laughs> uh, but I don't play a ton of DLC. It's like, <laughs> I finish a game for a review or a game eval, and I just kind of have to move on and pick up the next one. I don't have time to go back, like, six weeks later and play for, like, three hours or whatever. I just don't. So, unfortunately, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. Um, F-18, Master C, any update on Marcus? Can we expect to see him on the show anytime soon? Marcus is doing way, way better. It seems like with every passing day, he gets more of his wit back. Uh, I know on Facebook over the last like four or five days, he is, seems like he's right back to his old self. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I would love to get Marcus on here. Uh, I need to make sure it's a comfort level with him. Uh, look, you have a brain injury. And, like, I'm not, I don't know this. I'm just speaking if it were me and I had a brain injury and maybe I wasn't remembering everything as quick as I felt like I should. Coming on a talk show might be something that you, 
that you do when you kind of get to the top of the mountain, so to speak. Yeah, it might be stressful. Yeah, when you feel uh, like you're like, I'm back and I'm, and I'm going to prove it, like that's when you go on a talk show where you have to talk quickly and for a long period of time. Um, the invite's certainly out there to Marcus, I'll say that. Like, you know, anytime he wants to come on the show, he's more than willing to come on. Um, but I can't promise anything that's all up to him. But just so you guys know, he is doing great. Great. Uh, it's a miracle. So, yeah, no no uh, strict date for him to come on the show. Um, but when he does, I'll make sure to let you guys know before he comes on the show. Like with Brandon, it was kind of like a surprise or whatever. When Marcus <laughs> comes surprise. on, Marcus will tell you, basically. It was not a shitty surprise. <laughs> You're great, man. You do a great job on the show. Uh, Marcus will tell you, I'm sure. He'll go on Twitter or somewhere, and you'll see it, and he'll let you know. But uh, no hard date for him to come on yet. Uh, what else? Mm. Everyone's name who is in green, I can never read it in this chat. Merle, Mer Melson, I believe it is. Uh, Colin was right, was a refreshing new show from Colin Moriarty. We talked about that earlier, if you missed the earlier part of the show. Any chance you could do something like that with guests coming in? That's actually a really good idea. Um... I think if you look, though, Colin on that show, and anytime you do a show like when I do Guy for when Jim Sterling does the Jimquisition, you can't just roll in and do those shows. Like, you have to prepare. And you, you don't, it's not like you're scripting it, because I don't script Guy, and I don't think Colin scripts, uh, or Colin did script when it was still going on. Colin was right. I think Jim does script the Jimquisition, other than his intro. I mean, you can hear the change in his voice, because he goes from the mic he's wearing for his intro. And yeah, then suddenly there's a low end in his, he starts reading because he's, re he's re reading into a mic. Um, but you have to prepare. And by prepare, I mean you have to, you have to re do research and know the information and know the data so that you can spit it out on the fly. And so having somebody else come in and do that, you're asking them to do a lot of work. It wouldn't just be them like, hey, come in and record Game Face and now record this other thing with us too. Yeah. That's a little tough. Um, so if you're asking, like, if Marcus were to come in and I could get him to do something like that, if Marcus was going to do something, and I think that's what they're getting at, <laughs> <laughs> if Marcus were to do a show like that for us, he would just do the show. It would be something that we set up with him, and he would just come in and do it. It would be weekly or biweekly or monthly or however he wanted to do it. Um, it wouldn't just be like him coming in to do Game Face and then say, hey, stand over here now and yeah, like, let me just go off. Like, believe it or not, even Marcus, when he was doing Annoyed Gamer at GT, he prepared every week and he would email me and say, these are the topics I'm thinking about. What do you think? And we'd bounce ideas off of each other. We'd settle on the topic and then he'd come in and deliver it. So it's not just off the cuff, as you might think. And I think if you knew how much work Colin Moriarty did on Colin Was Right, you'd be shocked. Because if you watch those, there's tons and tons of data in there that you have to get right to make sure that you're, you're fitting your argument and backing up your argument, to be honest. So, uh, What else? Can I answer a couple more here? Two weeks for Persona, not a month. So it's a good thing I'm getting it in two days. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, man, there's so many, and I only have a couple. Pharaoh... Pharaoh Dahl is saying, Nier looks extraordinarily Japanese. Come on, Shane. <laughs> Just to back you up there, Brent. I knew that make you feel good. Thank you. Um, and someone else chimed in, yeah, Nier is basically like 50% of animes. I, I don't agree with that, but... Uh, and oh, no, someone else, Nier is blatantly Japanese. <laughs> and if Nier were any more Japanese, it would be raw fish. <laughs> 
Uh, here's one. Looney on the Loose. I love that name. And you also seem to be a new guy to the stream, so welcome. At least I don't remember seeing your name before. Maybe you just lurk, usually. Uh, with Breath of the Wild being set once again in Hyrule, would you want the next Zelda game to be set somewhere else? Something like Majora's Mask or Link's Awakening that is set somewhere else and doesn't revolve around Ganon, Zelda, etc. Yes! 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 yes. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. Yes! I mean, I see why this one was. Do you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the new... It's like a reboot. It's the, yeah, it's the new quintessential Zelda, but like... The next one should absolutely be Majora's Mask or something. I'm so tired of Ganon takes Princess Zelda. Like, the plot in this game might as well not even have been there. Like, also really it really wasn't. really wish that name named Calamity Ganon. Yeah. <laughs> like, I kept expecting there to be a reason he was named that, but it's yeah. like, no, he's just Ganon. No, he's the yeah, same he's... Ganon he's always been. Yeah, okay. I know. I, I don't get it either. Yes, I would love, love, love for them to take Zelda someplace else. They can even keep... The characters, like, I have nothing wrong with Princess Zelda or Ganon in particular. I'm just tired of the same old thing happening. Like, what if, like, Ganon ends up being on Link and Zelda's side? Like, some, what if some, some aliens cra- come? Or some crazy thing come, it could even be in Hyrule, where some crazy danger invades Hyrule, something more badass than any of the three of them. And they have to band together to, like, take off. Like, there's a million things you can do. It's like, it's like you saying, like, the story doesn't matter. It does matter. Like, you can make a game better with a story. Like, you I'm not totally saying, can't. You can absolutely make a game better with a story. I'm just saying Zelda didn't need it. I disagree. It's not what I went there for. You may not think until you get... Maybe it's like that restaurant you go to. You're like, I'm going here to get a hamburger. And then you walk in and you see somebody else get a plate of ribs and you get those ribs and they're the best damn thing you ever ate. I totally lost you in that <laughs> metaphor somewhere. <laughs> But the point is, like, I could still enjoy the game without the story. Like, you should absolutely dock it when you're reviewing it, but, like, that's not how... I'm saying you thought you were coming for one thing, and you ended up coming for something else and ended up loving it. That's the analogy that I was making. Okay. That's like, okay. That's like you found a different game inside the game or something. (laughs) I don't know. Now I'm just hungry. Yeah, I am hungry. I'm always hungry when we finish this show, because it's like, it starts so early that I have to eat, eat breakfast, like, before I leave. And then we sit here for four or five hours, and we totally miss lunchtime. But every time we get off here, the first thing we say when, a camp, when everything shuts down is like, damn, I'm hungry. <laughs> got to pee, and I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, you got to use the bathroom, too. Uh, let's see if I can find one more before we close out here. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, unfashionable. Actually, I'm glad you asked this question. Uh, did you play any multiplayer in Mass Effect and have impressions? I saw a few posts about rubber banding being an issue. Okay, so I'm playing multiplayer tomorrow from like 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific, and then I think 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, and I'm going to try to live stream it right on the same <clears> channel. So if you guys want to watch it, uh, if you aren't already following us, make sure you follow us. Um, I believe I'm allowed to stream it. Uh, I'm going to confirm with EA today and make sure. And if I'm allowed to, I will stream two hours of multiplayer tomorrow. And it'll probably, I'll probably stream the later one, like the two to four session, because in the, the nine to whatever session, I'll be in my boxer shorts. So I, <laughs> I'm streaming it. Um, so look out for that tomorrow. And obviously, if you're following the channel, you'll get a notification when it goes up. There will be a notification on the homepage of Sifted as well. So, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. I have not played it yet playing it tomorrow and Monday. Uh, before we go, I do want to say, because everyone who subscribes to Sifted watches Game Face, 
Check your freaking emails, new subscribers. I've been trying to give away these loot crates. <laughs> And it's like, hey, here's like seventy dollars worth of gaming swag, and like they won't reply. Like the first, the first month, I had to give it to the third person that was selected, because people just don't check their emails. And in the second month, I had to give it to the second person. Like the second person actually responded. Here I'm doing it again. Like there's somebody right now has an awesome loot crate waiting to go to them, and they will not reply to the email. It's、oh, the、man. craziest thing ever. So. If you're a new subscriber to Sifted, if you've subscribed in the last like two months, check your email because you may have a free loot crate waiting for you in your email.、Uh, and then one final thing before I go, finally put out the promo for Sifted yesterday. Looks good.、Uh, the feedback from everybody on site has been great. The feedback from most of the people on YouTube has been terrible.、Uh, <laughs> That goes. Yeah, I guess.、Um, it is running as an ad. So here's the thing: it's running as an ad on Facebook. And it's we also posted it through our official means on Facebook, and I've seen a lot of people go into that official post on Facebook and write nice things, which is great because it has actually got shared a good bit. But really, the key is if you ever stumble across the ad running on Facebook, and you'll know it's the ad because it'll say sponsored at the top of it. If it ever just you ever stumble across it, please go in there and and like it and leave a comment. I'm not telling you to leave positive comments; just leave your honest opinion about sifted in there. Because there's everyone who's seeing it has no idea what it is, and all they're seeing is an ad, and people are naturally distrustful of ads. So if you could go in and add some context, say I'm a subscriber, say whether you like it or not, whatever. I'm not going to tell you what to say in there, but to give some context to the ad, it will make people watch it more.、Uh, if you look at the data, ads that actually have engagement with people, people are more likely to watch them, and that's really the goal. It's not I don't I'm not trying to tell you guys to go and say the sift is the best thing ever. I just want people to watch the ad because I think the ad sells the site itself. So,、um, if there's not as much engagement with it, people tend to scroll down and just ignore it. So,、uh, if you do find it out in the wilds of Facebook、uh, running as an ad, I would really, really appreciate、uh, if you guys could engage with it. Also, please retweet the ad uh, on Twitter,、um, share it on Facebook.、Uh, every little bit helps. You never know who that.、Uh, I mean, it may be even an investor, someone who wants to invest a ton of money in Sifted. You just don't know.、Yep. Like they may not know it exists, and they stumble across the ad that you shared.、Uh, you don't know who all your friends are.、Um, so, appreciate everything, everyone's everything that everyone has done already,、uh, a ton. But let's keep pushing.、Uh, Sifted needs needs your help, and I'll appreciate any help that you can give us. So, any last words, Brent? Thanks for having me. Good job, brother. Yeah, dude. We'll have you back. May、I、have you back for some other stuff as well, besides doing Game Face. Sure. Brent, I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. Brent's turned into a little content creator. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I, I really like doing all that stuff. It's fun. it's fun, isn't it? All right. Well, everybody, have a great weekend. I've had fun here talking with Brent. Hope you guys enjoyed watching the show. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out.